Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to a big Friday episode of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Lots to get to. Coming off a uh, heartbreaker last night for the Winnipeg Jets. Crazy the way that game sort of fell apart in the last six minutes of the game after holding the Edmonton Oilers scoreless for well over 50 minutes last night. We'll sort of dive into that and get ready for the debut of Connor Bedard at Canada Life Centre tomorrow afternoon as the Jets look to end their three-game losing streak, their first of the season, and get back in the win column tomorrow against the Blackhawks. Dan Robertson of TSN is going to join us. We'll also have Ken Weeb jumping on from Canada Life Centre where the Jets are just finishing up their practice this afternoon. Big weekend in the National Football League as uh, things get down to the nitty-gritty as teams look to uh, secure playoff spots or stay alive. And, of course, we'll have Lee Hacksaw-Hamilton join us. And then a little later on, I know we did a special marble race yesterday, but uh, all are invited for the marbles festivities around 2.45 this afternoon as we uh, get into the weekend, a big weekend for the Winnipeg Jets coming off last night. Um, Just before we bring in Michael Remus, uh, a big thank you to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Of course, our friends at the Winnipeg Jets, Little Brown Jug, Cool Bet Canada, Princess Auto, Modern Man Barbershop, Nick and Nicky DQ, Aquatech, Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, Vita Health, and of course, our friends at Wallace and Wallace, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports as well. Going to be a good one, folks. So uh, buckle up. As you'll see, we came through. Well, you, first of all, you all came through for us. Let's get Michael Remus in here. Um, for people that are wondering, no, I was not in court this morning. Um, we promised that we would do a suit show if we were able to double our original goal for the November campaign by yesterday, we set out to raise 2000 We got to 4000 And then with the $500 donation from Modern Man Barbershop and another 900 or so of generous donations on yesterday's program, we hit $5,400 for the November campaign. And uh, Remo... Putting a suit on today, a small price to pay to show our appreciation and gratitude, not only for all the guys that grew the mustaches, walked the clicks, but mostly to everyone that uh, supported the campaign beyond our expectations. Yeah, you know, this is our first time doing something like this. We weren't sure how it was going to go. And uh, you mentioned, you know, got a certain donation level, we would put suits on. And we maybe have said before that uh, we would do it and. Never, never did. So this is a worthy reason to have a suit show. And here's our tally, uh, $5,363 on our November team page. A lot of donations coming in yesterday. We started with 3700 and even a couple late ones at the end of the show. Uh, shout out to Chris Vermette and Andrew Musgrove for their, their contributions uh, to the cause. And I think if you still want to get in, it, the link's not expired, so it's in the description of this video, winnipegsportstalk.com, November at the top. Uh, this was pretty cool to be a part of. That's a lot of money So uh, for, for men's health initiatives. So uh, this this was really exciting yesterday. Yeah, I know. Yesterday was a real fun show, and, of course, congratulations to Joe, who won the grand prize in our uh, November Men's Health Month promo with uh, Prairie Naturals and Vita Health. 
Uh, we did qualifiers throughout the month for uh, the marble race yesterday afternoon, and uh, Joe was the big winner. So we'll hook Joe up with that beautiful autographed Trevor Linden jersey and the full supply of Prairie Naturals um, supplements as well. Um, but, yeah, listen, I, I see in the chat already um, the guys were uh, – I was hearing it a little bit this morning on the lock shop, as you can imagine. And when I came in a suit, some of the uh, wisecrackers said, oh, coming from the Jets' funeral yesterday. Oh. No, it was not a funeral. This is going to happen over the course of, uh, of a season. You know, uh, listen, that was just – I mean, listen, we were there. And I guess before we even break down the game – uh, it felt like a playoff game, and man, did we have a great time. Um, so much fun with the WST crew for our second of four games. Uh, the only thing that would have made it better is the Jets to hold on and actually get that elusive win that we were hoping to see um, because, Remus, that was a game the Winnipeg Jets really seemed to be in control of in the third period. Um, and in an astonishing turn of events, um, after all of the incredible saves that Connor Hellebuck had made throughout the game against this high-octane Oiler team, it was what looked like a pretty harmless shot from distance from Darnell Nurse that Connor Hellebuck got a piece of, but not enough, and it ended up going to the net. And that, that goal, with about six-odd minutes left in the game, completely changed the scenario and... Uh, an unfortunate and very poorly timed penalty by Gabriel Velarde offered up a power play opportunity. Leon Dreisaitl, don't miss. And the next thing you know, the Jets went from being seemingly in control of that game to trailing. And then as Rick Bonus said, it's hard to get the puck when you can't win a faceoff. And faceoffs was a big, big story. The lack of success in the dot for the Winnipeg Jets. Why they weren't even able to do much in the final couple minutes because they didn't have the puck. Yeah, the faceoffs, you never really see a disparity. I think it was 79% for the Oilers. Or no, 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 sorry, 71% to 29% uh, in faceoffs. And first off, I will say, great night out with the WST crew. We have a great group of uh, people who bought the ticket package. Weren't sure how that was going to go, and it's been really fun. And it was fun, you know, the pregame. That 316 bar uh, is awesome, and I'm kind of surprised you know, it seems like people, a lot of people don't maybe don't know about it there, Hus. But uh, we had so much fun sitting at the tables, watching NFL at intermission, and uh, just hanging out before the game. And it did feel like a playoff game. Uh, I thought so. There's you saw the emotion from the players. Uh, it was the highest attended game of the, for the Jets this season. I will say, uh, it was shocking the number of orange jerseys that stood up when Darnell Nurstored and after uh, Bryce at all. Uh, so many Oilers fans there. That was. Uh, I don't know, I think it bothered a lot of people, Huss, and I don't know, there were kid Oiler fans, and who are these, yeah, who's raising well, their kids to be know, Oiler call fans Call CFS, here? call CFS immediately. Um, hey, listen, um, the Oilers are a team that is going to get a lot of support in a lot of other rinks because mm. they've got the best player in the world, and those kids are growing up as fans of Connor McDavid. John Shannon on the OB postgame he show said... said he didn't think that they were Oiler fans. He thought that they were McDavid fans. And I've got a little bit of time for that. Um, but listen, it was a great atmosphere, a really good crowd. I mean, you like to see the butts in the seats, even if, uh, you know, plenty of them wearing the other team's jersey. Um, but ideally, we would have sent them all home disappointed that they weren't able to beat Connor Hellebuck. But um, as I say, Remus, I mean, I, I still... 
Like that that's a goal that happens maybe once a season on a goalie of, of, of Hellebuck's caliber. And it wasn't like he didn't have a good game. I mean, he was absolutely feeling it, I thought, through the better part of the first 54 minutes. And, you know, that was a stunning turn of events, a very unfortunate occurrence for the Winnipeg Jets because um, they really did seem like they were kind of taking a page out of the book of the Dallas Stars in the third period where they weren't really giving up too much. Um, But, man, I mean, you get a break like that, which is something that the Jets needed on Tuesday night that they didn't get. Edmonton made the most of it, and uh, as they say, at that point, you're sort of like, okay, well, at least let's get this thing to overtime, and then the referee's arm goes up, and I think many of us had a little bit of a feeling of impending doom giving an opportunity like that to 29-97, and and Leon Dreisaitl, don't miss, one of the best one-timers in hockey, period, Uh, and the way he's able to get it on net from those tight angles, Mm -hmm. um, there's not many guys in the world that can do that. He's very, uh, yeah, he scores a lot of goals like that, just getting uh, through the hole there between uh, Hellbuck's pad and what in the post. So just a very tight window, and that's all Leon Dreisaitl needs. You know, a couple things for the Jets. You know, they were on such a heater in terms of scoring on the previous streak. You know, Lightning, Jets Lightning 3-2, 5-2 over the Coyotes, 3-2 Sabres, 6-3 Devils. Uh, they got three total goals in their last three games. Uh, not going to get it done, and... At the start of the game, you know, with the way Hellbuck was playing, I was having flashbacks to, you know, their playoff series where he really stood on there. I'm like, oh, Hellbuck owns the Oilers, and he was so good in that Darnell Nurse schoolhouse. I mean, that was, like, you don't want to, you don't want to, like, get mad at Hellbuck. He was the reason why it was so close. To, uh, I mean, goals are going to happen. It's tough to contain, contain the Oilers, but not a great one to give up. And by the end of the game, Huss, I had a similar feeling that I had, I know this might be too soon, similar feeling that I had when watching the Grey Cup this past year. I know it wasn't a play a playoff game. Uh, it wasn't even a championship game, but just, you know, going from thinking you're going to take down the Oilers in a game where you want to avoid a three-game losing streak to, okay, we're getting a point, to, okay, the, <laughs> you just lost in regulation. Oh, <laughs> it happened, happened really fast. It happened fast, and... Uh, that's a tough penalty. I'd see, holding the stick, Huss, was like seemingly the only penalty they were calling yesterday. There were three of them. Uh, you know, we can talk about interference uh, shortly, but, um, you know, you don't want to give those guys too many chances. And the Jets, you know, they did get a, they got a power play goal. Very nice one from Perfetti, but tough to beat Edmonton only scoring one. Well, and they did, we'll and they, yeah, and they did jump, jumble up the lines. You know, yesterday, too, that was a big question. I wonder if those if those stick, sorry. Well, and I was just going to say, we'll talk to Ken about that and see how things looked at practice today and, you know, whether they move forward with Ehlers playing with Shifley and Connor. Um, I mean, I personally would like to see Ehlers back with Perfetti. Um, I just think that those guys were really starting to click together. Uh, I think having a player like Ehlers on Perfetti's line, you know, just, you know, it builds the ceiling of that line so much. And now that Velarde's back, I mean, they do have some options. So we'll get to that coming up with Ken in a few minutes when uh, when he joins us. Um, what's tomorrow? Must win or can't lose? Oh, can't lose. It's can't, can't lose. lose. I think it's, yeah. you can't lose to Chicago, man. They're rebuilding. They're at the bottom. You can't lose. Go to foreign. It's too early to have any must wins. We're in. It's December one. Us, but. You got to stop stop the losing the losing streak, and it's not like they've played 
poorly. No. I don't think they're getting like outplayed significantly. It's like a couple. You know, they use what the cliche, the game of inches. I mean, you've lost all these games by a goal. I know the Dallas one was actually a couple, but uh, it was a one-goal game until, uh, you know, the late, and even yesterday was empty netter, so not technically a one-goal game. But, uh, you know, they've been close, and, you know, a couple plays here or there go your way, and it's a different story. I mean, what, Nikolai Ehlers uh, beats Skinner, doesn't doesn't beat the post? I mean, uh, that was a pretty nice shot, and... There were certainly chances there to take advantage of Edmonton, but it uh, wasn't meant to be. And they got some, I mean, McDavid's pretty good, but they didn't take advantage of uh, the lack of depth there uh, for the Oilers on the forwards. And yeah, the and they had and, a couple other power plays after early on, after scoring early, that they weren't able to capture on. And there was one play that I know we'll get to in these comments. Um <laughs> How there was no penalty called on Yanmark, I believe, when he absolutely railroaded Morrissey. The puck was nowhere even close. To be honest, it was contact to the head as well. Could have easily been more than a two-minute minor. Josh had to go back to the lineup and went in concussion protocol before coming back to the game, but missing a number of minutes. Um, no idea how that wasn't called last night, and that was uh, another source of some frustration for the Winnipeg Jets last night. But... Unlike Edmonton, who looked like the worst team in the league for the first six weeks or whatever of the season and is now playing up to their potential and getting some wins, um, certainly no time to panic for the Winnipeg Jets as they you know, earn themselves a pretty nice spot in the standings. But it, it just goes to show you how one bad week can really change your position. Like a week ago, tied for first place with Dallas and Colorado. Now... The Blues are on their heels. Nashville's been winning games, although they got pumped last night by the Minnesota Wild. Um, so a, an important two points on the table for Winnipeg against the Blackhawks tomorrow afternoon, and then obviously with the Canes coming in, that'll be another big challenge on Monday night. Um, but Ken's going to join us in, in a minute, but let's hear a little bit from Bones from last night. Um, you know, we'll get to the interference, uh, what should have been an obvious penalty on Josh, uh, uh, you know, victimizing Josh Morrissey. Uh, but Bones was asked if he thought that they sat back with that one goal lead yesterday. Not, you know, we weren't trying to do that. Pro- our biggest problem tonight was faceoffs. They just they killed us in the faceoff circle. So you know you're chasing them all the time. So uh, we're we're not trying to sit back, but um, they're winning so many faceoffs we end up chasing them. Like what we win 29 percent and 71 percent. I mean that's pretty much the whole game we're chasing them. Um, so that was that's an issue. But no, we weren't. Look at the first shift in that third period. We went right after them, and that was a great day. We had a great opportunity there. We just couldn't get that second goal. Attribute such a disparity in face-offs to just a bad night at the bad office. Bad night in the office in the face-off circle, yep. They often say if you're not cheating, you're not trying in face-offs. Is that, was Edmonton doing something particularly well that you noticed? or No, it's <laughs> just a bad night in the face I mean, it was a bad night in the face-off circle. Yeah, it wasn't just a bad night in the face-off circle. It was a brutal night in the face-off circle. Jets winning only 29% of the draws. And... Uh, Certainly, that will be a uh, something that this team is going to need to improve. They've never been particularly great in the dot, um, but when a guy like Adam Lowry, who's usually probably your most reliable guy in the faceoff circle, goes three for three and thirteen, um, kind of tells you where uh, things were, were last night. Um, we'll get to the interference in a moment uh, that wasn't called, but uh, Remo, fire up number three. Uh, Bones talked about the emotion of the game, and certainly for all of us sitting together in three sixteen with the WST crew. 
it was tense and it did have a, a playoff type feel. Here's uh, Bones on the emotion last night. That's no, that's they, 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 Sorry, listen, you were uh, waving me down there. Hockey team, and I was trying uh, to tell you that we were going to do three. In there, oh, they've been playing yeah, really well, so you expect the emotions to be up I, here. I this is a good rivalry with them, and but you, I would be disappointed if you weren't asking me that. To be honest, I thought the emo- you need to play them with emotion. You need to play with passion, and for the most part, we did that tonight. Looked like Lowry was the first one to get into the fray after the Morrissey hit there. Yeah. Um, he's your leader on That's that. That's him. That's what he is. He's a great leader, and uh, he's going to stick up for his teammates. When he sees something he doesn't like, he's stepping in there. He doesn't hesitate. That's why we love him. All right, so there's a little bit more from Bones. And uh, as Remus just mentioned, I mean, yeah, it's the first three-game losing streak of the year. Um, you want to end that ASAP, but when you look at it, I mean, it's not like the Jets have been completely outclassed in these games. They've all been really close. Um, and you know what? You'll win a bunch of those over the course of the year, and unfortunately this week the Jets were on the wrong end of it. Here's what Bones had to say about uh, losing three very close games consecutively. Right now, that's three games where we've lost, so we just need that extra goal, and we didn't get it. Simple as that. Um, but no, it's it's even in national, we didn't give up very much. We lost three two. We lose two nothing. Not giving up much. Tonight, we needed to get that second goal for sure, and we didn't get it. With the line changes you made, are you seeing what you were hoping you would see? Yeah, yeah, for the most part. Yeah, you'd like to see the puck go in, but they were creating. Look at that first shift in the third period. Those guys go in, forecheck, turning over, throw it at the net. So they, they generated some offense. Yeah. So uh, Bones on the, uh, you know, on, on the just the nature of these close losses that they'll uh, look to uh, reverse tomorrow when Bedard and the Hawks come in. Um, lots of talk about the non-call on an obvious interference on Josh Morrissey that sent him to the uh, quiet room to uh, get checked out. Bones have talked about uh, what was an obvious call that uh, got missed on the ice. Uh, we talked to Josh and he felt that was clearly interference and I take it you didn't get any other than maybe they said they ran into they, each they other. They said they ran into each other. We see that differently for sure. Rick, uh, can you just confirm, did Josh have to go through um, concussion protocol? Yes. Okay. The fact that he was able to return five minutes later, does that just diminish perhaps the feelings attached to that particular play? No, I mean, we lost him for a while. Was, um, you know, he had to go into the concussion protocol, so those are minutes we'd like to see him on the ice. It goes back to the just they ran into each other sort of comment. I mean, I get it that it's a fast situation. They don't have the access to replays the first the first time they see it. But, I mean, like, how do you reconcile that that's just people running into each other? Yeah, they're going to go in and they're going to look at it, I hope, and maybe change their mind when they see it. Yeah, too late to do anything for the Winnipeg Jets on that. Um, let's hear from Josh Morrissey, um, who was the victim of what was a, a high hit with the puck nowhere near him that sent him to the quiet room, as Rick Bonus just said. Here's 44. Yeah, obviously I don't like it. Um, <clears throat> you know, I'm playing one-on-one against the best player in the league and trying to, you know, he's cutting back. He's the puck for a number of seconds. Like, they're trying to create motion in the ozone, but um, it's an obvious pick uh, to me, and uh, it's interference. Uh, I don't know how that's not a penalty. Um, you know, guys run into each other sometimes out there for sure, but... Uh, you know, Connor had the puck for a number of seconds by then, and I was playing against him. And um, players at this level have the ability to <laughs> realize that uh, 
there's a one-on-one going on there and you know it's one thing to have a standing pick where you're standing still and try and get away with that maybe um but to skate right into it i mean it's a blatant interference penalty to me um maybe they didn't see it it happens um i was told but uh that we just ran into each other so um i completely disagree with that and uh i don't think he was targeting me or trying to you know do a make a dirty play i just think he was trying to run a pick and to me that's interference all day sorry didn't did, did an official tell you that you and the Mark ran into each other? Yeah, I was told that we just ran into each other. So obviously you can tell uh, that's where a little bit of my frustration comes from, that, you know, hey, that game happens fast, but um, I didn't see it that way. And, um, you know, I, was, I asked about it again in the third, and I think they would have had time to watch it in the second intermission, and uh, I was told that we ran into each other. So, uh, you know, that's a frustrating play for me. Um, you know, like I said, things happen. It's a fast game. Uh, I don't think that he was trying to make a dirty play. Um, played against him a lot. I don't think he's a dirty player at all. So I just think it was a, I think he was trying to run interference, a little pick, and that's my view. You know, I'm sure, uh, you know, the ref and other people have their opinions. Maybe that it was just, uh, we just ran into each other. So it is what it is. All right, so uh, Josh Morrissey, like uh, most of the fans in the building, not too impressed with the way that was handled by the officials. By the way, thanks to Al Broderick for the super chat. Appreciate you, Al. Um, here's a little bit more from Morrissey on uh, on the non-call. I think at the end of the day, um, you're always trying to get away with little picks, right? And, uh, you know, again, a pick is interference, which should be called. Now sometimes you can get away with it. I mean, we try to do it offensively too and just – you know, get a half step in front of a guy or hold your ice or something like that and um, buy a little bit of space. But uh, um, at the end of the day, it's it's interference. So um, you're trying to get away with it. Uh, that one to me was, uh, you know, kind of blatant in my opinion. So, again, I don't think he did it on purpose in terms of trying to injure me or anything like that. Um, just uh, I think it was interference. Ref didn't think it was. That's how it goes. Move on. Yeah, and the whole team's going to have to move on to uh, tomorrow afternoon, a 2 p.m. start against uh, Chicago as the Jets look to uh, break their three-game losing streak. Uh, one bright point of the game was uh, the continued production of Cole Perfetti, who scored on the power play. Here's what uh, the young Lion had to say about uh, last night's game and obviously the way it turned out for his squad. Uh, it's obviously tough. They're probably the two best players in the world, so um, it's tough when they get going like that. and. You know, they're obviously feeling it and, you know, putting a lot of pressure on late in the game. And, um, you know, I thought we did a good job of, you know, getting above them and, and um, trying to eliminate as much as possible. Obviously, they're still going to make plays. They're, they're good for a reason. And, um, yeah, obviously, you know, they were pressing, pressing hard. And um, Bucky played great and um, he made a lot of huge saves. And, um, you know, they just they just had a lot of good chances. So um, it was it was tough, but, uh, you know, we, we, we worked really hard. And, um, the effort was there. It was just, uh, you know, tough bounce. All right, so there's uh, Cole Perfetti and his thoughts on the game last night. One of the other things, Reem, that we're going to be talking with Ken about is just the way this lineup is going to look. I, mean, I thought Gabriel Velarde looked pretty good uh, playing fourth line, also getting some time on the power play. Of course, he was the one that got called for holding the stick on Connor McDavid with less than four minutes left that led to the power play goal. Um 
But I'm quite interested to see how long these lines last, and uh, particularly just with the lack of offense we've seen over the course of the last three weeks, if uh, things may change potentially even for tomorrow. Yeah, we'll have to wait and uh, wait and see what happens there. And, you know, Velarde, you really saw his impact, I thought, on the power play. I have guys kind of big, skilled, uh, patient with the puck. And for Cole Perfetti, what, he's become, you know, one of the smaller guys on the team. He's the net front guy in the power play. Uh, Rick Bone has commented after some nice questions by Sean Reynolds. Bone saying, it's all hockey IQ. He's not, you know, wasting energy going in there battling with guys, but he knows when to cut to the net and, um, you know, gets in there behind the goalie and just puts a stick on the ice and, and they find him and he's able to tip it in. So that was a really nice play on the power play. And where uh, here's Ken's lines, if you want, you want to mention today. Uh, Adam Lowry wasn't on the ice. Uh, we're going to wait to hear about that. And Nemestikov, who got banged up yesterday, not on the ice either. So we have Connor Shifley, Ehlers, Perfetti, Velarde, Ayafalo, although Ken wasn't sure which one of those guys was center. Niederreiter with Barron and, and Appleton. And then Barron with Gustafson and Axel. And he says, yes, Ken going, yes, Barron went twice. And it was interesting yesterday. You know, we thought that Gustafson was going to be a fourth-line center, but it was Morgan Barron, who's not usually a center. He was in an axle, was on uh, on the wing there, on the fourth line. So we'll see how this plays out. And more notes, Declan Chisholm took some uh, reps on the power play, I think power play two, and uh, Schmidt on the penalty kill. But that could mean something. It could mean, could, could mean nothing. So Ken will clear all that up uh, when he comes on. Yeah, I mean, listen, my read on that is that we're going to probably see Declan Chisholm tomorrow. And as Ken noted, um, you know, in one of his tweets, uh, Bones said that he'd like to get Declan into a game in the future. He had his two weeks, you know, uh, conditioning stint with the Moose. Um, and there is the possibility that the team could go with 11 forwards and 7D. Um, so that'll be something we'll talk about with Ken coming up in just a couple of minutes. Um, you know, just quickly, crowd was awesome last night. It was the biggest. And I don't think they announced 13-6 from where we were at. It certainly looked like more than that. Um, and I'd imagine Reem will probably be looking at another pretty good crowd tomorrow afternoon, um, you know, with the fact that, you know, for all the hype around Connor McDavid, who's on the top of the mountain right now, everyone, I think, sort of assumes that the next one is Connor Bedard, and he certainly will be the main attraction for the visitors tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, we want to see how does he look. Uh, and yeah, I think it's you know, Saturday afternoon. There was a big crowd. Mike McIntyre uh, did tweet it. It, was, it felt pretty full. It was like 13-6 or something. Uh, I don't have the exact number the number here, but it felt, it felt pretty big. And, uh, you know, I think you're wrong on the, the visiting teams a bit. You know, there's so many Oiler fans. It was... Wasn't a great sight, Huss, all the orange standing up when they scored the empty netter and when they scored, you know, their three goals. It was um, it was almost shocking. Not shocking, but... It wasn't to me. I mean, like, I, I don't know. That's I mean, what I'm it not... is. But that's what it is. With Like, leave, like we're going to the Leafs game with the WSG. I know it's going to be half Leaf yeah. fans. And anytime you have a Canadian team, or even for the Blackhawks, like, original six teams, Bruins, Red Wings, Blackhawks, there's a lot of visiting fans. But I guess, maybe not shock, it's just like... Get so angry seeing those visiting yeah, yeah, fans yeah. in your in your own rink. Uh, it's funny. I joke when we were at the Grey Cup, like I wasn't used to, you know, the Bombers scoring and the other, you know, them not getting cheered or the other team scoring and seeing cheers. You know, to go to a lot of road games. But even yesterday, again, uh, Dreisaitl puts it in and 
all these Oiler fans out of nowhere. Who are these these Oiler fans? Come on. Yeah, well, I, I I will say this. I think a lot of people, I mean, traveled in from rural areas, McDavid. northern Ontario, Saskatchewan, you know, to come in and get a chance to see McDavid. So while it's good for the bottom line, just puts a little more on uh, Winnipeg Jet fans to maybe step up and really get behind their team. Um, we're going to break it down with Kenny Weeb coming up in just a minute. Hey, the weekend is here. December is here. And our friends at Canadian Club have CC for every occasion ready for the holidays, whether it's for a holiday gathering or gift giving. WST and whiskey lovers are covered with Canadian Club. Um, great gift options, gang. And right now, tons of great sales on Canadian Club favorites. The original 100% rye and the classic 12-year-old. But we mentioned that limited release of the CC 15-year-old Sherry Cask is still available as part of the Canadian Club Invitation Series. The Sherry Cask, it's the signature CC Classic 12-year-old finished with a secondary aging in Oloroso Sherry Casks. All the hallmarks of Classic Canadian Club with the added richness and sweetness of sherry. Um, those are available for $79.99. Great for entertaining and a great gift for whiskey lovers. And don't forget, five bottles remaining in Manitoba of the CC Chronicles 45-year-old. Anyone looking for an extra special gift for the whiskey enthusiast in their family, pick those up at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. Uh, again, a huge thanks to Modern Man Barbershop and everybody that supported the Movember campaign. That's why we've got the suits on today. You came through for us, so we have got to do our part as well. Uh, of course, our friends at Modern Man made a beautiful $500 donation yesterday to get us over the top with four grand, and then everyone just kept on going to make it well over $5,000 for men's health at the month. Um, of course, you can see Modern Man at one of eight locations in Winnipeg. Uh, they've got haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Um, find your uh, local Modern Man and book your look. Make an appointment via modernmanbarber.com. And uh, hey, a big shout out to our friends at Aquatech. Of course, they're the pool, hot tubs, and spa experts in Winnipeg. But they're also doing a ton of home renovations right now because whole home rentals start with Aquatech with thousands of rentals as their foundation. Aquatech can upgrade any space in your home. If you're ready to enhance your kitchen, bathroom, or even add a man cave to your home, visit aqua-tech.ca to learn more about their whole home renovations, including financing options. Hey, just before we bring in Weber, don't forget to be ready for the deep freeze when it comes. Manitoba battery is locked and loaded for winter. But are you? Um, make sure that your battery is going to get you through the uh, hardest of the season. And if you do need a battery, Manitoba Battery is your local option with the best prices in town and the best service you'll find anywhere. First off price, Lowest around in town, beating the pants off the big box stores. And speaking of great service, Donnie and his staff will deliver your battery to you anywhere in the city of Winnipeg inside the perimeter for free with any purchase over 60 bucks. It's just that easy. Get online at manitobabattery.com and order there. Give them a phone call. Their friendly staff will help you out at 204-783-8787. And if you do want to check your battery and see how you're looking, pop by and see them at 1026 Logan Avenue for a free battery check. And, of course, they can always help you in person right there. All right. Hawks are on the ice. Jets just finished practice. And uh, Ken Weave, very underdressed for today's show, 
joins us now from the Ticketmaster <laughs> Lounge. What's going on, Ken? I see you didn't get the WST memo today. Well, Andrew, I, I blame, I'm going to blame the CTO for that maybe. Or what do you think about that? Uh, you're looking very dapper, by the way. I do enjoy the uh, the, the color combination. So uh, here's the exclusive footage of Connor Bedard, first ever time in Winnipeg for an NHL game. Uh, look at the exclusive footage here that we're going to provide from the from the old downtown barn. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a fun day, Huss. A fun week all around. Lots happening. Uh, you know, I did. Hasn't been that fun, Ken. No, they've lost no, three well, in a row. <laughs> well, Huss, I mean, <laughs> the Jets uh, winning doesn't. You know, I, not everyone's mood is uh, attached to that. But you know, I did I did suffer through a Monday nighter on Monday also, oh. where there was uh, <laughs> only one drive uh, to uh, the people, the home, the home crowd. Uh, yes, it's been a tough week for the Jets, but uh, the hometown crowd didn't have a whole lot to cheer about at U.S. Bank on Monday. But uh, still a fun environment. That was my first time back since pre-COVID. Uh, still an awesome place to watch a football game, as you know, having been there. Uh, interesting times for sure, and I'm you know it'll be a fun tilt. I mean, it's funny. We know Connor Bedard has rolled through town as a as a member of the Regina Pats, and I would think there's a lot of interest, but. I never got to see him live, Huss. So this is my first live viewing of the young man who has uh, has lived up to the hype, as several Jets have said it. And you know, it's a, it's a big game for the Jets. It's uh, uh, and I'm happy to report, although I thought initially this might be a Lauren Brassois game, it will be Connor Hellebuck on Saturday afternoon. I wouldn't be surprised if Brassois plays Monday, but it's going to be Brass- uh, Hellebuck on Saturday. He left the practice early, uh, not because of any injury or anything else. He got his work in, got off the ice, and. Um, there's Connor Bedard ripping the puck at the net here. So, anyway, yeah, sorry, the, I will I will not be distracted. It'll be fun to watch. Uh, I think there'll be a good buzz. There was a good buzz in the rink yesterday. At the Oilers attracted the biggest crowd of the year, Huss, and uh, I'm expected that number to be on the rise for the Blackhawks. They've had a good following, and I think that given the proximity to Regina and a lot of uh, Saskatchewan folks being invested in Bedard's career, I think. Uh, it could be a sellout. I mean, I don't know this. I don't know the numbers, but I, I would expect it to be the highest attended game of the season so far. Yeah, I think much like we saw a lot of people coming into town for yesterday's game, that yep. will certainly be the case for a Saturday afternoon game on the weekend. A, a perfect chance for people to have the opportunity to come and see Bedard in his uh, uh, Canada Life Centre debut. Um, Ken, I, like, we can talk about last night's game a little bit. Interested in your thoughts. I mean, obviously you dropped sure. quite a bit on K&R yesterday. But overall, <laughs> overall, um, like, how should the Jets feel about this last week? I, first of all, it shows you how, you know, some poor results for one week can certainly change where you're at. This team a week ago was tied for first place with Dallas and Colorado, and now all of a sudden St. Louis is right on their butts, and you're trying to stay in that third spot. I will say this. These games were all very close, and I think you can look at, like, I don't want to call them coin flip games, but over the course of the season, you're going to win some of those. You're going to lose some of those. The way it happened last night, though, was what was so stunning because Hellebuck looked so dialed in, and, um, you know, a goal that maybe will go in on him once a season went in at the worst possible time and got the Oilers right back in it. Yeah, structurally, you know, the Jets, what's the difference in those games? You know, five wins versus three losses. I don't see a ton different. I mean, they're not generating quite as much offense, maybe. They're certainly not scoring as much. We know only the three goals in the last three games. But structurally, I don't see the Jets getting caved in. Yes, I understand that the Oilers had more shots and 
and had high volume game. Yeah, nobody is is doubting that. But Hus, you were there. The Jets kept Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl intact. You know, they did not generate a whole lot five on five, and and that says the structure is still sound by the Jets. And hey, Zach Hyman had a ton of shots, six shots, ten attempts. Yes, but how many of those were high danger? I mean, they, not a ton from what I saw. Uh, obviously, that goal by Darnell Nurse, like you said, that that's a once in a season, if that, uh, which you know probably adds to the frustration when a team like the Jets plays them so solidly. But Hellebuck is also way back to his normal numbers when it comes to goals saved above expected and all of that. So I don't that that is not a cause for alarm. And again, the Oilers have the, one of the best power plays. In the NHL, still, you know, last year historically good. So the fact that Connor, you know, Connor McDavid found Leon Drysaddle for a one-timer, does that take away the, from the fact that Jets played pretty solid up to that point? No, not to me. But at the same time, there wasn't enough time spent in the Oilers' end in the third period. So I don't think it was the Jets just sitting back and you know, kind of trying to hang on for dear life. Having said that, they weren't getting a lot of lot generated against them. So that's something they'd like to improve on for sure. Uh, power play struck once. I mean, this is just a classic game, Hus, where the Jets had opportunities to get that game to two to nothing, and the inability to do so came back to bite them after a unexpected goal from Darnell Nurse. So, uh, you know, uh, can they improve? Of course. But a week ago, we were talking about the Boston Bruins having one regulation loss. Now they have four. I mean, are they? Is the sky falling in Boston? Of course not. Vegas had a tough week until you know playing great against Vancouver. Also, so, but now how do they handle it? Us? How do you prevent a three-game losing skid from spiraling into four, five, or beyond? Because if you get beyond, we know what happened in places like Minnesota when it got to seven. So, I'm not saying the coaching staff is in any danger here. What I am saying is that the Jets need to just be a little bit crisper, Hus. We know the areas they need to be better at, and if they get better in those areas, then their you know their grip on third will become more you know stronger rather than tenuous, which it became this week when teams like St. Louis and Arizona started to push. But I, I don't think there's a huge difference in what we've seen in terms of their play. You know, obviously there was a soft goal that was allowed against the National Predators, also, but the game against Dallas, you were there too. They were much more patient than in the Remembrance Day game, but you know, a couple things end up in the back of the net. So, you know, we talk about this all the time. There's a very fine line between winning and losing. The Jets were riding that wave last week. This week, they've been on the other side of that wave. Yeah, well, and uh, listen, they've only scored three goals in the last yeah. three games. Um, you combine that, I and mean, again, we talked last week. I mean, I really would have liked to have seen Hellebuck play in the game against Nashville, and I think that game was basically determined on goaltending. Saros was awesome, and LB wasn't. And I do wonder if that, you know, maybe plays into uh, the decision to apparently go with Hellebuck tomorrow. Um, but as I far don't think as there's the- been any change, I mean, I don't know that for a fact, but I, I think it was probably. I mean, we talk about the Hawks being, you know, an easier spot on the bingo card, but I think the Jets are maybe looking at it, you know, conference game versus non-conference, maybe, uh, you know, with Carolina coming in. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. And Haas, I know we were on opposite sides of the coin when it came to Nashville, and, and I get it. I understand where you were coming from, but I just don't think the Jets can risk running Connor Hellbuck into the ground this early. I don't think that, you know, giving him a day off wasn't the reason why he let in the shot from the blue line 
It wasn't that it disrupted his rhythm. I mean, he played well against Dallas. He played well yesterday with the exception of the one shot. So, um, you know, you got to get those starts in. I mean, that it's just that simple for me. Um, what do you make of the lines, Kenny? Um, you know, we hadn't seen much blending going on. Bellardi's coming back. We've seen Ehlers play up. Like, at times, the lines have all looked pretty good, but they haven't scored. Are they working right now? Plus, they're a work in progress. I mean, Bellardi's coming back. It's been two games for Ehlers with Connor and Shifley. You know, Kyle had... Kyle had the game on his stick, you know, three times yesterday, you know, twice in the second period in the first five minutes, he had glorious opportunities. So Ehlers, I thought had a, you know, I think he's fitting in well. Do I think that that's the, where they're going to land and their final destination for the line combos? No, but I mean, as well as Alex, I had played on that line in terms of being a nice piece of the puzzle. I mean, 11 games without a goal, Huss. I mean, you can't, uh, you know, I think it might even be 12 now. So it is 12. So, and I'm not blaming Ayafalo. He still does a lot when he doesn't chip in as much offensively as he had earlier on. But I just don't think that the Jets were in a situation where the lines had to be set for an extended period of time. You knew that Gabe Velarde was coming back in. Uh, Hus, I'm sure you already talked about it in the open, but Velarde is already getting the bump up from the fourth line to the second line. Uh, they'll be using sort of a hybrid situation with Velarde. Perfetti will be the center, but Velarde will take some draws on his strong side. You have some insulation there. You have a guy that's played there before, much like Nemestikov, who is day-to-day but unlikely to play in this homestand. Um, you know, the lines are still a work in progress. This is how I would put it. I wouldn't say they're working or they're not working. I would say that they are working well enough. But I would like to see Perfetti get a shot with Mark Scheifele at some point here. But that may not come until Velarde's played more than, you know, two games. And again, I'm not saying that that's the be-all and end-all. But I think that's a comp. Based on how Perfetti has been playing us, in terms of his puck distribution and shooting ability, and based on the way Mark Scheifele has been distributing the puck, I think that it'd be worth a shot. And I also think the flip side of that coin, I think that Velarde would fit really well with Ehlers, which is why I'd like to see those two guys together at some point. And again, and I understand this, some people are up in arms like yourself and, and Sean. I'd like to see Niederreiter play on the second line, not full-time necessarily, but I'd like to see him get a bump up into the top six at a time when the Jets are struggling to score a bit. Um, that would be worth trying. And I don't think the drop-off is that, you know, uh, there's much disparity when it comes to Ayafalo. Ayafalo was basically brought in to play in the third line. So I don't think we would be surprised if he spent some time there eventually. Yeah, um, for me, uh, listen, I think that there's a bunch of guys that can play with Shifley and Connor. Yeah. Uh, I... I kind of would like to see Ehlers and Perfetti back together. I mean, that, that was the one thing I, sure. I sort of got why what Rick was trying to do at that point. But, I mean, at times it looks pretty good. At times it doesn't. But to me, like the sum of the parts is greater. Um, the, the sum is greater than the individual parts when Perfetti and Ehlers play together. They had such great success. I mean, I'll be honest. I wouldn't be surprised if at some point, whether it's this homestander coming up next week, we see those guys back together and, Maybe it's Velarde or somebody else playing yeah, with Velarde could be with them too, Huss. I mean, there's no doubt. And having that size component, especially now with Nemestikov being out, I would think that the door is a little bit more ajar for that because we know how much Rick has mentioned since returning, talked about how well Nemestikov and Ehlers have been together. Now he's out, so you got a big body like Velarde. Uh, I would think that that would be worth trying again as well. But there too, then then you're looking at maybe Niederreiter getting a bump up and I have follow uh, going on to the third line. But, I mean, the, there's a lot of moving parts, I guess, right now. And and I don't see it as a problem. I mean, in, this is the time to... When it comes to game 60, Huss, you don't want to be 
getting the blender out on maximum speed here. You want to have things settled by then, but the first half of the year is when you got to test out some of the combos, especially when injuries allow you to do so. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I also think that Ehlers got bumped up because that top line's production had dipped, which is why Ehlers had got himself going, uh, playing with Perfetti. That's why he got the bump. Now it's up to them to to play well together. And I think they were generating enough hus. And I also, you know, in the past for that line, their issue had been what they give up. And I don't think that they were, you know, they haven't been getting caved in, if you will, on a lot of those nights. So, you know, again, the Hawks are coming to town. That's it's a it's a game the Jets it's a have to have it kind of game for them. And I would and Mason Appleton was quick to point out today when asked about the recent slide and the dry spell. Well, I wouldn't be surprised. We don't have to score five every night, but I wouldn't be surprised if we scored a few against the Hawks. And that's to take nothing away from the Hawks who, you know, we know they've they've surprised some teams this year as well. Yeah, no, they have. You got to be ready. Yeah, and like we said at the start, it's not a must-win game, but it's a can't lose. Like you, <laughs> you got to get the two points, and and I think you know you want to get some goals and get that good feeling because we know what Carolina's done to this team, both sure. in Carolina and in Winnipeg over the last couple of years. And uh, Rod the Bod Squad is going to be a, a tough out on Monday, um, sure. which makes this game tomorrow that much more important. You know, I, I felt for, I thought Dylan DeMello just played his ass off last he night. He, uh, you know, if, if that game finishes one nothing, I would have had him as one of the three stars. I mean, I thought that he was making all the sorts of plays, was logging a ton of ice time in some of the toughest matchups you'll get all season long. Um, so maybe just a quick thought on uh, DeMello, but, uh, and then kind of transition to that and a potential change to the blue line tomorrow, or maybe just one extra demon. Oh, it's not potential, Huss. Uh, Rick Bonus confirmed that Declan Chisholm will be in for Nate Schmidt. So I know we maybe thought there was a chance for 11-7, and seven, but no, uh, Gustafson will come back in on the fourth line at center uh, with AJF and with Morgan Barron, and it will be a straight swap Chisholm for Schmidt. Uh, Declan will also be running the second power play, as we saw at the end of the practice. So it's a big opportunity for him. Uh, I spoke with Declan in Nashville. He spoke again at the backdrop here today. Put in a ton of work us during those two weeks and did a good job. Five assists in those six games. Feeling pretty confident now. Yes, I understand it's been almost a week between games here again. But, you know, when you're in, when you're in his situation, Hus, you can't be picky about when you get in. you got to get your chance. And when you get your chance, now it's up to him to show that he can be more than a once-in-a-while kind of guy. He wants to be more than Kyle Capabianco was last year. Right, Hus? You know, we know that Nate Schmidt has the, uh, you know, the the leg up in this competition. And now it's up for Declan Chisholm to show if he can be a viable option. And I expect him to be sharp uh, tomorrow. And and those touches on the power play are super helpful. And also not being in a seven-man rotation, I think is also a huge benefit for Chisholm when it comes to jumping into the lineup. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of DeMello, I thought he was excellent yesterday. The pairing with with Josh uh, really handled themselves, I thought, quite well. Um, you know, and DeMello had, you know, he's played with Neil Pionk a couple shifts there when Josh left the game after that uh, absurd interference that was missed on Matthias Janmark. But yeah, I mean, th- those guys played really hard. And uh, as De- DeMello said himself, they defended their asses off in that game, especially at five on five. And yeah, I mean, for sure, it was a, it, for those trying to say that DeMello, DeMello played the, played the shot off Nurse well. I mean, Nurse took a good shot through his feet, but Hellbuck had time to see it. He just didn't catch it. That yeah, wasn't on the defenseman for me. That's no, that was listen, all on Hellebuck. Yeah, he got a piece of it and it went in. Um, 
I mean, as I said, that's going to happen once a season. It was just a yeah. really brutal time for it to happen. And then we know what happened after that. Um, You know, you bring up Declan Chisholm coming into the game. They wanted to get him in. Stan's had a couple games already this year. If he plays well, what does that do for the depth chart, if you will? And can you know, it, it won't be too long. We haven't talked about Billy Hanel for a while, but we haven't, Billy will be coming back. How do you see things shaking out once there's a ninth defenseman added into the mix? Yeah, Huss, I mean, not every game is a one-game referendum, but if you're the guy that's trying to get the one game and get the second game stacked, you have to show you can do a good job in more than one outing, right? So we saw this with Logan Stanley. His first game in the 11-7 and seven was pretty sound. His second game was below average and he was out of the lineup and he, you know, the op- opportunity for him is certainly not on the horizon to be in anytime soon. So of course it's, you know, incumbent on Chisholm to have a good, good game against the Hawks. And I think if he does play well, there is an opportunity for him to get a second game against the, you know, against the Carolina hurricanes. But at the same time, I, I know a lot of people have been dumping on Nate Schmidt for a good chunk of the year. I mean, you were just talking about this last week, Huss. They have been one of the most effective pairings in the NHL, especially for a third pairing. They've barely really given good. up any any five on five goals. So this isn't a Nate Schmidt struggling, so he has to come out. It's so the Jets have to find out what they have and then see what happens. Now, do I think it's going to be a straight alternation uh, between the two players? No, but I mean Declan Chisholm's got to show that he deserves to play more, and that that's that's on him. Uh, but yeah, I mean for me, you know. And Dylan Sandberg's been great this year, but that was a pretty untimely icing that happened. I think that led to that would that was what happened prior to the Velarde penalty. So, I mean, things happen to all players are going to make mistakes. It's not a pointing the fingers type of situation. And Huss, if I had told you that the Jets' defense had played the way that they have so far this year, people would be thrilled, right? If we're looking at the conversations Absolutely. we had in the summer, the Jets' team defense is way ahead of where we expected it to be. Now, does that mean they don't have to go out and get somebody prior to the deadline? Well, that's going to be a big decision for Kevin Cheveldayoff, and I still think he would like to strengthen the group. Now, in terms of Vili Hainalahas, I've said this to you a couple weeks ago, and my opinion hasn't changed. Until we see Vili Hainala on the ice, he's not really even in consideration. I know he's going to be a consideration maybe in the calendar year, but when Hanela, he'll need a, a week or whatever of practice with the Jets, but he's going to need some long runway with the Moose before he's even a consideration to go on to the third pairing with the Jets for me. And that's, you know, I, I want to see Billy Hanela more, but just based on the amount of the nature of the injury and the amount of time missed, He's going to need, to me, at least a two-week run of games in in the American Hockey League, and it might even be longer, and not just because he's a waivers exempt. He needs time to get up to speed. This isn't a Gabriel Velarde, I'm an established NHLer. I need you know one game on the fourth line, then I'm in. This is a guy who still needs to solidify his NHL you know job as a full-time player. Now, I expect him to do that before the year is over, he's going to need an extended window of of AHL time before he's even a consideration for me. And yeah, once that happens, then someone, if there's no injury, there's going to have to be a trade or someone will be exposed to waivers. I mean, the, the, the jets aren't going to be rolling with three extra defensemen and no extra forwards. That's just not going to be an option for them. You know, uh, um, you are right. I mean, this is going to be a decision at some point in 2024, I yeah. think. 
um, you know, and whether there's a trade market for one of the defensemen or whether they take their chances of putting a guy on waivers, at some point that decision will be made. But it is a little ways away into the uh, into the uh, um, into the future. Um, Ken, as far as tomorrow goes, and I know the Hawks are on the ice. You're going to be getting down there, and I'm sure talking to Bedard and the gang afterwards. Yeah. Um, I have to ask you just about this entire Corey Perry saga and uh, just how kind of strange it's been, but obviously the statement from Corey and I I know you've probably talked with lots of people in the business. No one seems to really know what the incident is and that's almost secondary, but how do you see this playing out? Like, is that it for Corey Perry in the national hockey league in your mind, or is there a way that he can come back from this at his age? Yeah. I mean, he's 38 years old and you know, he wasn't exactly playing a primary role with the Blackhawks right now. And, you know, in terms of the situation, I mean, you know, you've talked about it during the week, uh, you know, ridiculous first and foremost with the uh, wildfire on social media, like people oh. got to give their head a shake. It's an absolute joke that, that got even started. A rumor like that should never have been started. It's absolute ridiculousness that it wasn't policed better on the artist formerly known as Twitter. Uh, I, I think that there were a ton of people that should know better that were acting like it was funny. It was not funny. It was never funny. It shouldn't have been said in the first place. And there should be repercussions for the idiots who try to start rumors like this. Anyway, sorry to be on my soapbox here. In terms of Perry, what he did, uh, we know it's not an incident involving the team. And quite frankly, Kyle Davidson, I thought, I know some people were ripping on him for not being more transparent. Well, what do you want him to say? It, it's got it's 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 not an issue with the team. It is a it was a workplace issue. So I'm not here to speculate on what the workplace issue is. The matter has been dealt with. Corey has been dismissed, and there are no. This is not something involving the police. So, uh, you know, if people think they're entitled to the airing of any incidents, that they need to wake up. Also, um, you know, I, this isn't the Hawks trying to cover something up. So. It's something that there are other people's, you know, feelings and other things that are that are involved here. I mean, Corey's married and has a young family, so it's certainly something he has said in his statement that he uh, let people down. And if he wants to make that public, that's up to him. Um, but otherwise, I, I don't know that. You know, I understand people think that everything is their business, um, but right now, you know, I don't know. And I mean, for me, this is a it's a story that, I mean, will it go somewhere else? I don't know. Uh, Corey obviously needs help. He's getting help for mental health and alcoholism. Or, al- you know, I don't want to say alcoholism. Sorry, that's not accurate. But uh, for alcohol. So he needs help. I hope he gets help. Uh, and whether or not we, I, I don't think we're going to see him in the NHL again. I don't I don't see a contender saying, um, you know, Corey, you got your life together. Come on down for a Stanley Cup playoff run. Could it happen? Certainly. But I also I don't think it's smart for anyone to make snap judgments without knowing the nature of the incident itself. So, uh, but again, it just it would it would be it would be difficult to see him landing on another team. But I mean, I'm not a general manager, and I'm not the one doing the due diligence on what happened or what's transpired since. Yeah, it sounds like he's got to take care of some things personally right, before exactly. that's even on, even on the table. Hey, just quickly before we go, um, what um, what was what did you think of the Zadarov trade? Um, as far as what Vancouver paid to get him, and uh, how how big of an ad is that for the Canucks blue line? Yeah, I mean, he is an interesting player on a lot of fronts. We've seen him a ton in the Central Division. Huss, uh, he's a guy that I think can help most NHL teams for sure. Uh, 
This is not a first pairing kind of guy unless you're playing him in a kind of secondary role. But he has some elements as a big, strong guy. He's physical. Uh, every team is looking for someone who has a little bit of meanness to them. Uh, I, do I think they paid a hefty price? No, I don't. Um, if, if, if that's the market for a defenseman that can be on your second pairing, I mean, it's a reasonable price. Uh, the, the futures element is well in the future. Uh, one of those picks, I think, is 2026. So, Yeah, the third rounder. Right. So to me, Hassa, I mean, I don't know that this sets the, it, but I also don't think this sets the market for Chris Tanev, by, for, a, for an example. Uh, Chris is a different player. He's more of a, you know, yes, he can be a second line player, but I think other teams would be looking for him to potentially play in a top pairing uh, role if he were acquired. So if you're trying to play connect the dots, as we are, I don't think this means if the Jets offer a third and a fifth to the Flames for Chris Tanev, that the deal would be done tomorrow. Um, though I would suggest if that's what the asking price is, uh, I think the deal would have been done already for, for Kevin Sheveldayoff and the Winnipeg Jets. But uh, I think Zadorov will help the, uh, the Canucks for sure. Um, but I also think that they were maybe looking for help on the right side, and Zadorov is more of a left side D. And I understand a lot of, a lot of Jets fans are probably saying, well, why didn't the Jets pay that price? Well, the Jets' left side is already kind of overpopulated. And while I do think that, yes, he's the kind of player that would help the Jets back end, given some of his skills, you know, he was unhappy in Calgary. We, Rick Bonus has said it a lot. You don't want to have players here that have one foot out the door. And I'm not saying that Zadorov would not have been open to coming here, but I'm also not saying it was his first choice. So um, unless someone tells me that he was not interested, well, I mean, that's that's kind of a moot point. But I think the Jets will be looking to add a right-side right defenseman yeah. before they're adding a left-side defenseman, even though the size and the physical nature would be elements that would be welcome on this Jets blue line. My, my, my only take on this is that, you know, based on the return, which I didn't think was – like, I think if they held on to him at the deadline – Exactly. They'd be getting much more for a player like that. And uh, I think it's pretty clear that there was – whether it was in the dressing room or in the organization, a real want to get this over with and uh, move on from the player now because – I, I really do think, and I'm not sure whether you disagree, that if they waited longer, closer to the deadline, that's a player that would have fetched them more than a fifth rounder and a third in three years. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair to say, Huss, but I also think like the, the Canucks weren't the only team interested. So I, I, it's not like the other teams, you know, we know that some of them, you know, teams like the Leafs, without retention, they couldn't make the deal. So obviously they didn't have a better offer. This is like, like you said, you're not just shipping them out the door because somebody called you to make a deal. So I also don't think this necessarily sets the market. And, and as, as you mentioned, the closer you get to the deadline, the higher the stakes are and the, the more likely it is for another team to quote-unquote overpay. Uh, this certainly is not an overpay for the Canucks. Uh, you know, they've reshaped their, you know, you got to give Patrick Alvin credit. He's completely reshaped the defense core and, and added some quality pieces in the process. So, um It'll be interesting. I mean, but but you're right. I mean, without being in the Flames room, once that trade request got public, I mean, Nikita Zadorov is a is a pros pro, but there has to have been something that has either irked the leadership or, you know, he got to the point where he was so unhappy that they felt they just had to move him. Otherwise, you don't make the deal, especially because the Flames are kind of been hanging around the periphery of the playoff chase. So uh, there, there must be other issues that kind of prompted or expedited the process, if you will. Yeah, with you on that. Um, dude, great chat as always. Uh, have a great Friday night, and uh, maybe we'll see you at the rink tomorrow. It should be a good one. 
Yeah, right on, Huss. Always great to be with you and uh, enjoy what should be a fun football weekend. And I know you we were talking about it yesterday, but uh, yeah, big news for the Bombers uh, being able to keep Buck Pierce uh, in-house here. So it should be an interesting offseason on the horizon, but uh, important step uh, taken right there with Corey Mace getting the job after you know Ed Tate wrote the column saying that Buck withdrew his name. So uh, certainly a, a big boost for the Bomber coaching staff that made some uh, important front office uh, you know, maintainments, if you will, during the course of the week. And, you know, what? speaking of coaches in Winnipeg, uh, nice to see Coach Mike Taylor with the Seabears signing that deal full-time for the next two seasons. And uh, you got a nice little welcome at Canada Life Centre during the game last night. Yes, he did. Uh, it was, you know, there he was. There he was on the big board, and the, the people knew who he was, I think. And, us and, that, and that is a testament to the impact that that franchise made on the community uh, in that first season. No doubt about it. Have a great weekend. We'll see you at the rink tomorrow. You as well, my man. Take care. Cheers. All right, there is uh, Ken Weave again. Don't forget tomorrow, 2 p.m. start, your first chance to see Connor Bedard play in the National Hockey League here in Winnipeg, Canada Life Center, winnipegjets.com slash tickets. And then the first time the Jets will be flying the 48s, wearing the uh, RCAF jersey three times this season, the first game with the brown gloves. Really looking forward to seeing how things look and uh, the matchup with the Carolina Hurricanes on Monday night down at Canada Life Center. Uh, hey, I once again, got to congratulate Joe and give Vita Health a big thanks for that great promo we had all, all month long for Men's Health Month with Prairie Naturals. Um, you know, we've got the autographed Trevor Linden jersey and the full line of Prairie Natural supplements for our winner. And of course, the uh, with Men's Health being uh, done, it's 12 months a year, Men's Health is important. It's not just about November. Uh, you can head down to Vita Health for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products and groceries, and the full line of, of Prairie Naturals uh, supplements, Canada's number one men's health brand. Six locations in Winnipeg, and of course, also fully shoppable website online at myvita.ca with pickup or local delivery options as well. Um, i got to thank our friends at Wallace & Wallace for their great support. You know them as the fencing experts in town. They're also the leaders in overhead garage doors. And that overhead garage door of yours has had lots of ups and downs this summer and fall, but it's about to work a whole lot harder this winter because winter puts much more stress on a garage door. The right time to prevent downtime this winter is now. Call Wallace & Wallace to book your inspection and maintenance service call today for residential and commercial overhead door sales and service. There's only one name or two you need to know, and that is Wallace & Wallace. And what a perfect day to shout out our friends at F Apparel. It is the suit show. Get the two-shot up here, Remo. Uh, the two-shot because we've got myself in an F Apparel suit, Michael Remus rocking one of his favorites from F. And uh, not only do they have the best in men's clothing, custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, tucked and untucked styles, an incredible selection of menswear accessories. Uh, a F gift card would be a great gift as well for the uh, man in your life that might be looking to upgrade the menswear. Um, and speaking of custom, Remus, I figure this is a great day to show this off. You can get cool things like the Winnipeg Sports Talk logo inside your suit jacket only at F. Uh, pop down and see them, 190 Smith Street downtown, and uh, you can make an appointment and find out more at F. That's EPHapparel.com. Big shout out to Andrew, Alex, and the great staff down at F Apparel. Did you get WST on the inside of your suit? 
No, I'm not that cool. I just got... Uh, you couldn't pull it off? I couldn't pull that off here. I got this sweet uh, Paisley oh, wow. pattern, so I'm not... They offered. Andrew like was begging me to do it. I was like, I can't. I'm not that cool. So I didn't. I didn't get. I, it. I went. I went pretty. I'm pretty not going to argue with that. I'm not going to argue with that. You're not. Um, anyways, <laughs> <laughs> um, listen. Uh, we've got hacksaw coming up, and we'll get into NFL. We will be doing a marble race um, with the Jets practicing at noon, knowing that this is going to be a tight afternoon. We actually caught up to talk about last night's game as well as to uh, Morrow in the uh, visit of the Chicago Blackhawks and the Jets so far in the first half of the year with our great friend Dan Robertson of TSN. Um, so we just caught up with him a little bit before practice, but here's our conversation with Dan heading into uh, the visit of Bedard and the Hawks tomorrow afternoon. Dan, it's great to have you back on WST. How are you? I'm great. I feel a little underdressed. I should run in, get a tie, put a jacket <laughs> on, and I'd fit right in. <laughs> Yeah, well, what, once a year, once a year that happens. Well, maybe a little bit more, but uh, big day. We promised the people. We had a great, great response for the Movember campaign. So we're pulling our end of the bargain today. Um, I'll be honest, I was absolutely gutted, and so were a lot of people after that game last night. I mean, what an incredible turn of events. Um, I mean, really, starting with that Darnell Nurse goal, in a game where Connor Hellebuck was absolutely lights out up until that point, and that's a goal that might happen once a year on on Connor. Uh, literally, it was it was pretty stunning, and what you say is true. I mean, early, especially, I thought, and maybe the first half of the first period, the Oilers were really pressing hard, and they almost Bouchard almost had a couple of goals. They were swarming the Jets, and I mean, that's the value of a Connor Hellebuck, right? To kind of help things get steady while the other teams really coming on and and uh, he was terrific it was it was baffling i don't know if he was screened i mean that that's the thing it doesn't happen very often so you certainly have to give him a pass but i mean even leading up to it i thought the jets were were airtight uh, they were i mean defensively they along with him they didn't allow anything but it's pretty difficult to shut out the oilers so i found it i don't know if last night was like a, a playoff atmosphere or, or that sort of intensity but it was it was entertaining but i just it had that feeling that, okay, something's going to happen here. You're not going to keep them off the board totally. And then they get on the power play, and we know how good they are there. So uh, a few things combined in the end to kind of come back and bite the Jets. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I, I tried to keep it all in perspective after the game when uh, chatting with some of the uh, friends that I was with in that it is a very long season, and you'll yeah. look back, and there'll be times where you'll lose three in a row. I mean, they had just won five in a row. Um, but there was a real opportunity to sort of build off that winning streak, and um, they've sort of put themselves right back into the thick of things with a St. Louis team that's been coming on. Nashville, who lost last night, but before that had rattled off six in a row. Um, the separation that the team enjoyed a couple weeks ago has sort of evaporated, it, and it can happen so quickly in one week. It can, but what you said is, is true. I mean, it's a marathon, right? An 82-game schedule, so these things are going to happen. Uh, if you even look back, you can pick any part, game apart. In, in Nashville, Brossois gave up a, a week one to Yossi. That's a game that I don't think they were at the top of their game, but they could have squeaked out a point. So, And then the Dallas game, they played well. I mean, defensively, they've been very good as of late, and uh, they've been disciplined too. I think it's seven games in a row now where they – haven't allowed more than two power play chances against. So that's good for a team that uh, hasn't been good in the penalty kill, which is kind of dumbfounding to me. But I, I think in the end, you know, to me, this is who they are. They're, they're not an elite team. And they're somewhere 
in the middle of the pack, I think, who's going to have to claw and, and fight to, to get into the playoffs. I, I mean, we saw it last year, right? They had that brilliant start, and then they tailed off. Obviously, a little bit of a different team this year. Five on five, they've been excellent. I, I'm just I'm really interested to see what's going to go on here over the course of the next couple of months. I, I say they're not an elite team. I say that with all respect. Maybe they'll prove me wrong over the next couple of months and, and really – um, not win five in a row every couple of weeks, but uh, just be a little more consistent. But, you know, there's some things going on right now. The offense isn't clicking, but, uh, you know, no reason to panic, I don't think. No, I- I'm with you, and uh, maybe a good time to have the Blackhawks come into town, although that is, uh, I mean, listen, I know it's insane to say in the first week of uh, December when the team is where they are in the standings, but it feels like a must-win. I mean, to avoid... Dropping four in a row, you know you've got a very tough game on Monday with the Carolina Hurricanes coming in, a team that has had their way with the Jets over the last few years. Um, But overall, I mean, this week has been interesting. And and I'll say this, on the optimistic side of things, Dan, I think if we compared the Jets where they are right now to last year, um, I think the foundation of the team is a lot stronger. I mean, when we talk about that five-on-five play, the depth of the team and the way they've found ways to win. And even if we do a little autopsy on these three losses this week, I think for the most part, there was a lot to like about all three of the games. Um, just sometimes those don't go your way. And the important thing is to stop that and get it going in the right direction, but continue to do some of the things that have got them to where they've been in the standings this season. No, exactly. So they have to be patient like they were in Florida last Friday. That was an interesting game where uh, – it was tight, and they just kept sticking to their game plan. So, to me, that showed a confidence uh, within the team that they believe in the systems. They're they're buying in. I know that's cliche, and I get tired of hearing it, and I shouldn't even say it, but I do believe that's happening. The Dallas game, they played well. I mean, they had their chances, and they had some chances last night against Skinner and the Oilers. So, you know, it, that's, that's what happens in the course of a season. You get a break or two, and then maybe you've won – eight of nine or something like that. So, uh, but, but you're right. I mean, the Chicago game, it's, you can't not beat that team. Uh, I, I looked at the roster last night and I'll admit it. There were two or three names where I'm like, I'm not sure who this guy is. We know uh, that they're rebuilding. We know they're, they lost a couple of key veterans that have helped them along the way. So, but that's, that's the thing too, right? It's fun. You look ahead, you mentioned Carolina. Uh, They're always tough. Then they go on the road where they're going to play Colorado and they're going to play Los Angeles. So you want to get the points where you can. But but I do I, – I think you're right, too. I like the foundation of this team, and I, I do think there's a lot of good systems in place, and they do believe in themselves. And I think they'll just fall back on that and um, be a little more opportunistic on offense. So that's that's dried up as of late, too. I think, it, what is it, three goals in their last three games and maybe six in their last seven. You get the point. It's it's not going right now, but I, I think it they, they will pick that up here shortly. Probably tomorrow is as good a time as any. Dan, um, Rick Bonus um, spoke about the lack of success in the face-off circle last night, which um, I, I think you have to agree was impactful. I mean, just the fact that they couldn't get the puck when they were chasing the game in the final couple of minutes. I know you you know, just doing your job or paying attention to the numbers and face like, can you remember the Jets being dominated to that degree in a game in a long time? I I can't. Um, I mean, when you're, what was it, like 75%? Yeah, I think it was 71 or 72% okay. was the, uh, the final number. The Jets were in the 20s. And I know at one point, too, Lowry, who's a good face-off man, I think he had won three, he was three and 13. So yeah. it's, you know, it's uh, it's funny. When I call games, I'm always sort of, 
in a way, I'm hesitant to, to, to say the, the face-off numbers. Obviously, it's, it is an important stat. Some face-offs are worth more than others. Obviously, if you win a draw at center ice, it, it means less than if you win one in your defensive zone. But, but when it's that lopsided and when you're chasing the game like that, that it, you have to expend a lot of energy, right, to get the puck back. And, and if you go back to last year, I was wondering uh, before the trade deadline, would they get being a face-off specialist, maybe that's a bit extreme, but somebody to kind of bolster things, somebody who can come in and, and win a key draw or two. And you, you know what? Like, if you look at Shifley, he's been a lot better this year at the dot. Uh, I don't know whether his numbers were last night. They couldn't have been great because the team suffered overall. But it's 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 aggravating. And I, you've heard Rick. And one of the reasons last year that I thought they might go out and get somebody is because Rick talked a lot about it. He would, he would bring it up, saying, okay, we were – dominated at the face-off dot and we were chasing the game so um and th- that can't happen and, and so that's something again if you look at storylines for tomorrow that's an area where they really have to clean it up you, you don't have to be at 70 percent uh on your side but you know it's got to be certainly a lot better than it was against the oilers well and, and i mean just to quickly look ahead to monday against the carolina hurricanes that's a team that has been possession monsters for a number of seasons. I mean, they own the puck more often than not. And if you're yep. allowing them to start with it, um, it could be a long night. So this is something I'm sure Rick is going to be really focusing in with, with his players uh, today at practice. Then, of course, going into these next couple of games to, you know, e- even just get back to a reasonable 50-50 number because uh, it was an avalanche for the Oilers in the dot last night. And, it's not something that I think average fans would even notice, but it was pretty obvious last night that the Jets were not having a lot of success, and uh, that definitely did impact the game. It did, and so if you what were the final shots? I think the Jets allowed 39, which is a lot more than they're used to giving up on the average, and a lot of that led from losing faceoffs and kind of chasing the game. So, um, yeah, you make a good point. Practice starts, uh, practice this afternoon. I'll go and check out and see what, what they do, if anything. I mean, it's that, that's the thing, too. It's You talk about games within a game. It, it's not just, as you know this and, and your viewers know it, too, but um, it's not just about the two centermen. Lots of times there's pucks that are up for grabs. The, the two of them will tie up, and, and maybe the, the Jets have to be a little more on their toes or, or battle a little harder to get those loose pucks. But it is, it's, you know, numbers, I guess, you can always make them work one way or the other. But uh, when you don't have the puck and you're chasing it all the time, then that's an issue. Dan Robertson with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Dan, you know, um, basically since Velarde got hurt in the Kings game in game three of the year, the lines for the most part, for the better part of the next month plus, were pretty much intact. Um, We finally got the blender taken out of the cupboard, and um, we've seen a couple line changes, and obviously things were going to happen no matter what with Gabriel Velarde coming back. But I wanted to ask you, I mean, let's not necessarily for tomorrow's game, but... You know, if we look into the next road trip, after Villardi's had a couple games under his belt and he's close to, you know, being at full speed, if you will, how do you think things settle out when it comes to the Jets' top six? Um, and who is the player from that top six that you think finds their way down into the bottom six? Well, uh, the last part of the question first, I think it'll be I have followed to go back to the fourth line. Uh, I think, I don't, I'm not sold on Ehlers with uh, Shifley and Connor. Ehlers, a wonderful player, but he can be a little tricky to play with, right? I mean, he's a guy, he needs to have the puck, uh, likes to hang on to it for a long time. They did create some chances last night. There's so much skill on that line. 
that they can't help but do that. So, but I, I do think that when Velarde, and we saw him have rust last night, and obviously that's going to be the case, but I think when he feels better and when he gets up to speed, he'll be on that first line. That's the way the season started if we look back. And then I think uh, Ehlers will drop back with Nemesnikov and Perfetti, and then Ayafalo, who can play up and down the lineup. And he did a good job in that first line. He's, he's dried up offensively as of late. But if he's on your fourth line, then that's a good thing. And I thought it was interesting last night to see Morgan Barron at center. It was kind of, you know, we were all kind of waiting to see, you know, Gustafson, Janssen, Fialbi, and Villardi on the fourth line. And then um, all of us kind of did a double take and saw what the line combinations were. I don't know the last time that Morgan played center. I hope to have a chance to talk to him today. Uh, obviously, he's he's been a winger, but um, he's better than Gustafson, I think, and he, he should have been in there. So I kind of like that move, but I, I do think that uh, Velarde gives um, Shifley and Connor that different dimension, a guy who can go to the net and, and draw bodies. And um, I, I think, I mean, obviously, they only had like less than three games to work together in the regular season, but I think that's what's going to happen. And if, if that's the case then that's, that's pretty good, right? They have good depth up front. The, the one thing I wonder about, and I do give Nemesnikov a ton of credit, I didn't know how well he would play at second-line center for an extended time. Uh, the numbers aren't great. That's not who he is. He does a lot of little things well. Uh, but that's something, I think, to monitor over the course of the season, how well he'll do there. And I know that's not news. That's with Dubois going out. That's, that's a bit of a hole. But uh, I think from lines one to four, there's a lot to like when, when everybody's healthy. Well, and, and, you know, it's funny just, you know, mentioning where Velarde started. Let's remember where Vlad started, and that was on the fourth line. But I, I'll be honest, I'm with you. I mean, I think in a lot of ways he was the perfect complement to Perfetti and Ehlers um, and somewhat of a conscience of the line. Yes. You know, he's got that wily veteran nature where he seems to be in the right spot at the right time. He's good with his stick. And a lot of his presence on that line, to me, sort of freed up Perfetti and Ehlers to – really click offensively. And I, I, originally, when we had this conversation, I thought that maybe it would be Velarde that we would be moving into the middle or playing yeah. with those guys and Vlad would come down. But I sort of have more time for the argument to have Fallo moving down and getting Ehlers and Perfetti back together on line number two. Yeah, and I think I think you, you roll with Nemesnikov there as long as he holds up his end of the bargain. He's an interesting player to me. I mean... Before I got here last year, I'm like everybody else probably, I would see Nemesnikov, uh, and you look at his, at his stats and at his career, and he's bounced around a ton. You think, okay, this guy, whatever, he's just a just an, an average Joe player. And, but he's not about the numbers. And he, what you said is right. I, I think he, he's very smart. Positionally, he's sound. And, yeah, like if you look at it with uh, – and I've talked to Perfetti about it, about playing with Nemesnikov, and he said he's just so smart. He said he's always in the right spot. So – you know, there, I think there's little things during the course of the game that uh, even if I was watching very closely and not doing play-by-play, -play, I might not pick up as to what helps make Nemesnikov strong. But I think if he can continue to play with those two and, and look after things in his own end, then that's a good thing. And, I mean, look at what Perfetti's done. Uh, what was it? Uh, eight goals in 22 games last year, or 51 games last year and eight in, in 22 so far this year. So, I mean, you can't give Nemestnikov all the credit for Perfetti taking off, but you have to give him some. So, uh, But I do say, I mean, when the playoffs start, I know we're a long way from that, and if they do get in, is Nemestnikov a, a number two center that, you're, that you can live and die with? Uh, every team has their shortcomings, but, you know, so far he's, he's been a pretty good fit between those guys.
a lot of runway left for uh, for the Jets to figure out how things will look. Uh, first of all, you got to get to the playoffs, but obviously a nice start. But looking to uh, to break out of this first three game losing streak of the entire season, you can see Vlad's still a half a point a game, and I think. Um, if you could have told a Jet fan that that's what they were going to get when he arrived in trade last year and was extended, they would have taken that in a heart, heartbeat. Yeah, and I wonder, too, as we're talking, he got uh, he got hurt last night, right? So he I saw him come out during timeouts, and he did a little test things out. I don't know. If, I can't remember if he came back to me. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it, – let's give Kevin Chevelday off some credit, too, right? He goes and gets in a mess with off neater. And I know this is kind of old news, but he didn't pay a great price to get them. They both fit in really well. So uh, I think you have to like what he's there. For Loren Brassois, how important of a start, assuming that he goes tomorrow afternoon against Chicago, how important of a start is this for the Jets' backup? I think it's really important. Uh, what I what you've seen from him so far is sort of what you saw from David Riddick in the second half of last year, if, if I'm correct. I mean, he started out pretty well, but then he got plagued by giving up seemingly one bad goal against a game so we all know what happened when the jets really needed to win down the stretch they had to throw hellebuck out there every night he was great and they got over that hump but i think he was tired when they got into the postseason because he didn't get enough rest i mean it's you know it's not to play this card again too much but i was in montreal for a lot of years and and they always talked about okay we need to lessen the workload on price well that's easier said than done when your backup isn't making the saves and you've got one of the best goaltenders in the game. It's it's you know it's pretty easy to say okay we're gonna we're gonna give you this start today. We need these two points. But I, I think it's important for Brassois' uh, confidence. Um, he let that goal in from Yossi in Nashville. That was a real backbreaker. Uh, and you know over and above that, I mean, if if you want to kind of tear it down, and I'm I'm not a goalie expert. I don't think any of us are. But that the first goal in that game, I think Trennan scored it. He gave up a really juicy rebound, and then just a tap in by Nyquist at the side of the crease. So I would think if he can come out, if he plays tomorrow and he plays really well, and is technically sound, then that will go a long way towards his confidence and Wade Flaherty's confidence in him, and and the same for Rick Bonus. You know, Dan, I, I wanted to uh, hit you with a question that we've been sort of kicking around over the last 10 days or so, just, you know, in and around the quarter mark of the season. And I'll be honest, I think it is a credit to so many players that have had a real hand in the Jets' success up until this point this season, this last week notwithstanding. Um, at the quarter poll for you, from your perch in the press box, who would you say has been the MVP of the Winnipeg Jets at this point of the year? Mark Shifley. I, is the first name that comes to yeah. mind. And, and maybe that's, as you say it, I mean, I, I'm thinking Morrissey and, and Hellebuck too, and, and maybe maybe I take them for granted because they're so good each and every night, those two players. And and Shifley is too, but I, I think his game has evolved. We've seen that. He's battling harder, and correct me if you, if you think I'm wrong, uh, he, he has more defensive conscious uh, consciousness and, and awareness, and you just see him maybe – where last year, a lot of times he might, it might be sort of a hope play where he would hope that he could, you know, fly the zone and get a pass at center and create an opportunity offensively. Well, now uh, I see him digging in a little bit more and, and supporting low and being better positionally. And I, I, I just think that's kind of carried over. We, we know what happened when, when they lost Pierre-Luc Dubois. You're kind of thinking, okay, they're a lot weaker down the middle. 
what's going to happen with Shifley? He signed the extension. What's going to happen? Is he going to coast a little bit? I think it's human nature to wonder those things. But I think overall, even though he's kind of slow a little bit offensively, I think it's him. He's helped set a tone. And, I mean, I say that. I mentioned Hellebuck and, and Morrissey, and Connor has 14 goals. But I think in a lot of ways what Shifley has done is kind of rubbed off on others. And, and I think he's, he's set an example, and I've been impressed by his play this year. I, I couldn't agree more, um, you know, and, and, and speaking of leadership, I mean, I think he has really led by example and uh, many people that had questions as to what Mark Shifley, the Winnipeg Jets, were going to be getting after the extension on Thanksgiving have been, um, well, I've really in, liked the results. And I think it's been a big part of many of the other guys, Kyle Connor included, yeah. um, I think stepping up that, you know, commitment to trying to do things properly in, uh, in, in the back end. Um, the other guy that I think, you know, is maybe lost when we talk about the big offensive numbers, although has definitely contributed at times, is Adam Lowry. You're around the team on a daily basis. Just interested in your perspective as to the differences from last year's team to this year's team and Adam Lowry's role as sort of being the uh, guy at the front of the line establishing the culture for Rick Bonus's club. Yeah, and I think it's it's with Wheeler out. It's things have changed, right? Let's not uh, let's not lie here. That's that's a big a big difference. And Adam has, I mean, he's at the right age. He's thirty years old, and and he's the right choice for captain. So just to kind of see, just to to hear how honest he is about things, about his game, about the Jets game. I mean, even last night there was there was a play where uh, I think he bumped McDavid and McDavid was annoyed. So one of the officials came over to talk to Adam and we could catch him on camera kind of, you know, arguing his piece about what was going on. And I thought, you know, he just the way he conducts himself, I, I think he draws a lot of respect from officials and, and everybody across the league. So, and Kevin Sawyer and I have talked a lot about that either on air or off air, just kind of the, and he would know better than I would be the change in culture because he's been here for, I believe seven years, but, uh, he says he thinks it's the not to put words in his mouth. He said this that it's the tightest Jets group that he has seen in that time. So I mean they have a new captain in Lowry, and that has to go a long way toward that. And and you know it's another guy I mentioned Nemesnikov, and I'm not going to compare the two he and Lowry. But if you kind of look at Lowry and you don't see him every night or you don't see him much at all, and you look at the numbers, you say, okay, well, he's he's all right. He looks like he's pretty good on face-offs, big body. But just to watch him compete uh, every night, that rubs off too. So I think he's done a really nice job as captain, and, and I, I'm not surprised just kind of having an idea of the kind of person that he is. Dan, uh, the team is going to uh, finish up this homestand and then uh, head out on the road for four uh, and then back in and around the holidays. What uh, What are the holiday plans for Dan Robertson? Well, um, we are not doing, we do the game on the 13th. I think I have these dates right in Los Angeles. And then our next game on TSN is until the 22nd. Uh, the Bruins are here in Winnipeg and that'll be a blast. Uh, but there's, I think, three games in between that Sportsnet has. So uh, I'm from Nova Scotia and I was going to go back and see my kids. I was kind of going back and forth. Do I do I do it? I have enough time. I probably would have done it, but I got... Uh, a note from my boss saying the World Junior A Championship is in Toronto, Nova Scotia, which is 45 minutes from my mother's house. Uh, the games are on December 17th. Do you want to call them? And I said, yes, I do want to call them. So uh, on the fit, we'll get back on the 14th. Uh, we'll fly. We'll stay the night in Los Angeles after that Kings game. We'll fly back on the 14th. I'll fly to 
on to Halifax on the 15th and then do those games and uh, spend some time with my family. So I'm, I'm really happy. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm 53, uh, but I still get, you know, obviously I still miss my family. So it's, it's a really good opportunity, opportunity for me to get home and see them and my friends. Oh man, that'll be phenomenal. And I wish you and the uh, entire Robertson clan a great holiday season. If we don't do this before, I just have to ask you a question though, from a broadcasting standpoint, um, how challenging is it to go from calling National Hockey League games night in and night out and focusing on one team and then showing up at a tournament of 17-year-olds, um, most of which you probably had not even heard before? What goes into the prep for an event like that and doing those games? Well, one thing that's good, Craig Button is calling it with me, and it's it's Craig's job to know these kids. and that's I know That's right in his wheelhouse. It is. That's, that's why he's the director of scouting. But, no, it's a good point. I mean, so... I said to the kids, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to be home on that Friday and I want you to come and see me, but I have a lot of work to do. So the, the funny thing is too, right? The, the two games will do the bronze medal game and the gold medal game. But obviously I can't just focus on two rosters because I don't know uh, who those two, two teams will be. So that'll be part of it. I mean, I'll get in um, early afternoon on Friday. I know there's a game at 730. I'll check that out. And then the two semifinals are Saturday. So I'll watch those and kind of, you know, have the lists in my hands. And, and it, it's funny how the brain works. You, you wonder how you'll do when you're not really familiar with teams. And, but uh, usually I'm able to pick it up pretty quickly. And uh, if I'm not, then there's little tricks to hide the fact that I don't know what's going on sometimes. <laughs> but it's, uh, I like it. I like the, love watching international hockey. And, and I, I'm, what I'm told, the Swedes are very good. So it is a challenge. And uh, I like it. I mean, I've done... Craig and I, I think all of a sudden, six years ago, we did the under-17s in St. John, New Brunswick. And, uh, you know, I'd rather do more of that stuff uh, if and when I can, obviously. So I'm really looking forward to it, and it'll be cool to get back to my old stomping grounds. Well, I'll tell you what, Dan, I hope you have a a great time uh, out there. Hopefully you get to call a few more wins before the (laughs) Winnipeg Jets before heading out starting uh, tomorrow afternoon. Um, But when you're back, big game against Boston and – Hopefully we can have a uh, holiday pint at some point before we uh, ring in the new year. Well, I enjoy pints. It's probably not a secret, but I'm up for that. uh, Yeah, I I look forward to it. Maybe we can meet where we sort of met by chance, uh, boy, way back in, I think it was early October. After the Fan Fest, yeah, out at the Heights. What What a fun afternoon that was. The ribs are great. The ribs are great. <laughs> you got a lot of great stuff there. Dan, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, have a great weekend and a great call, and we'll talk to you soon. Oh, my pleasure. Anytime. Thanks. All right. Good stuff with Dan. And again, we had that little chat just before practice today. Uh, we do have some audio from Rick Bonus just confirming Chisholm in for Schmidt and a couple of the other moves for tomorrow's, uh, tomorrow's game. So we'll have that for you. In a couple minutes, but uh, it's Friday. You know what that means. Hacksaw coming up in just a second. Do want to thank our friends at Princess Auto, which seems to be, of all of our sponsors, when we mention Princess Auto, um, just people absolutely love that store. Um, and we certainly love their great support of us and, of course, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the Winnipeg Gold Eyes. Princess Auto, considering it is the holiday gift-giving season, folks, uh, might want to check it out because that's where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around, everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Pop by and see them in-store, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, or you can shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. 
Speaking of the holidays, you're going to have to get down to Royal Sports at 750 Pemina Highway to take care of all the sports fans in your circle for holiday gift giving. There's really nowhere like Royal Sports with the biggest and most expansive inventory of any sports store I have ever seen, period, Winnipeg or otherwise. Thousands of pieces of Winnipeg Jets merchandise, including all sorts of customized jerseys, tons of Winnipeg Blue Bomber gear, and the latest from around the National Hockey League, all 32 NFL teams, Major League Baseball, the NBA, and so much more. And heck, of course, the uh, tons of cool stuff on the Kings skate, snow, and surf side, and the biggest and best hockey selection in town for over 40 years. It's all waiting for you. Get down there, do your holiday shopping, ASAP, 750 Pemina Highway at Royal Sports. And don't forget, give them a follow on Instagram, at Royal Sports Pemina, for the latest merchandise drops, sale information, and great holiday gift ideas. And, um, you know, we're going to mention again about our big holiday party coming up next Wednesday at Little Brown Jug. Have to thank the great support we get from Boston Pizza because... Of course, every cent from uh, the tickets, by the way, get your tickets. The uh, link is in the description. If you're listening on the podcast, go to winnipegsportstock.com and make sure you get them before we reach capacity. Um, but every cent is going to the cheer board. So our friends at Boston Pizza are going to uh, throw a few slices our way and throw a few pies down there as well while we enjoy those delicious beers down at Little Brown Jug. But uh, tonight, slow night in the National Hockey League. Tomorrow will be a great day, and then NFL Sunday, no better place to be than your local Boston pizza. Chowing down on those world-famous BP wings, enjoying those ice-hold schooners, gourmet pizzas, and so much more from the new Appy menu. And hey, if you are staying at home tonight, you can always get the great taste of Boston pizza delivered hot and fresh to you by ordering online at bostonpizza.com. All right, we still have Bones, a little Movember wrap-up, marbles to come. But let's get ready for a very interesting week in the National Football League with our pal Lee Hacksaw Hamilton of the award-winning website, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. What's going on, boss? Well, we're getting ready for a great sports weekend. We have now this side of the border. We have championship college football playoffs tomorrow. Massive game here in the Pacific Northwest. Oregon Ducks, Washington Huskies, the winner goes to the college football playoffs. This is, a, this is the last game that's ever going to be played in the Pac-12 conference with the demise of the conference. This is going to be electric. And then obviously we fast forward uh, to NFL Sunday. And for those of us that follow Major League Baseball, we have the winter baseball meetings that start on Monday. Open your checkbook. Here come the trades and the free agent signings. And of course, we've got the NBA and the NHL. So yeah, my hours are all taken up like your hours are all taken up. You mentioned college football. Uh, no, uh, no Colorado Buffaloes this weekend. Um, no, uh, Dion, did Dion really get the SI Sportsman of the Year award? Well, I guess I guess he did, but now you have to question because of the scandal at Sports Illustrated with AI. <laughs> did, did AI really, select him? <laughs> did AI select him? That's terrible. I've been talking to journalists around the country about. Oh, how ugly and dark the Sports Illustrated story is with the new ownership and the arena group. And, you know, for your followers who are not aware, uh, it's now been confirmed that Sports Illustrated used artificial intelligence, AI, to create articles with phony, fake writers' names and 
biographies. It's it's a real stain on journalism, and there's a lot of stain in society right now that we're dealing with. So this that's a stunning story unto itself. Yeah, and I mean, we got a great friend, Matt Verderam, who is, uh, does such great work covering the National Football League who got on with SI, and what a terrible position for the people that actually work there to be in having to let people know that they're actually real people doing the work. I mean, uh, just outrageous, to be honest. I guess we don't have to be concerned about AI doing sports talk, do we? You know what? Luckily, luckily, I don't think. That'll be one of the last bastions where you can't replace us. Um, Although there is a lot of bad sports talk being done around the North America. I'll, te- I'll testify to that. Well, there's no doubt. There's no doubt about that. Um, hey, listen, before we get to some big weekend games, uh, we've got another coach bite the dust. Frank Reich is out in Carolina after, what, 11 or 12 games. Um, David Tepper, the billionaire owner, sure doesn't wait to make a decision when it comes to head coaching. And what, Matt Rule's got another four years he's getting paid, and now Frank Reich's on the uh, on the books for uh, the rest of his contract without even finishing a year? Yeah, David Tepper ought to learn how to make the right decision rather than keep making wrong decisions. That's a big issue. Huh. Uh that his fingerprints are on everything, and he's now fired three coaches in mid-seasons, the last three coaches of Carolina. I mean, what do you expect? This is an organization that traded away Christian McCaffrey to San Francisco and an organization that traded away the top wide receiver, D.J. Moore, to Chicago in a deal. This is an organization does not have next year's number one pick. Do you know the Bears, if the draft were held this afternoon, the Bears would draft one and four because they're going to get they get Carolina's pick by virtue of the trade. So this is this is a David Tepper mess. His record as an owner is thirty and sixty three. I mean his reputation's terrible. Yeah, they can hire somebody. Somebody will go take that job. But who you working for, and what kind of crazy place is it to work, and what's the track record of success of this guy with this venture in pro football? I feel bad for Frank Reich. He walked into a situation where I think he got blindsided. I think the general manager Scott Riffers, the next one is going to go. Uh, but then again, now you now you got you know Tepper running an organization without football people with great backgrounds in the organization. It's it's a disaster, and boy, what a tough time for Bryce Young, the rookie quarterback from Alabama. You talk about learning curve, boy. This is really hard. Yeah, it has been, uh, and then I mean, it's compounded by the brilliant rookie season that the guy they passed on, C.J. Stroud, is having. With the uh, with the Houston Texans, um, you know we'll get into the Patriots in a minute. But just as far as head coaching goes, um, I was listening to another show earlier this morning, and I'm kind of with them. I'm, Carolina's already fired their coach. I imagine that the only way to save your job in the NFC South is to win that division. Um, you got Todd Bowles, uh, Arthur Smith, and uh, of course uh, Dennis Allen in uh, in. in New Orleans. I, we knew that this was going to be a bad division league, but I mean, there's a distinct possibility that all these teams could be tied for first at five and seven after this weekend. Yeah, uh, I don't think Arthur Smith's job's in jeopardy in Atlanta. They've had a lot of injuries, but he's he's got young players, and the quarterback situation has not solved itself. They, they anointed Desmond Ritter to be the starting quarterback this year, the kid out of Cincinnati, and he played well in spurts, but in the big picture, he's not played well. Now he's back in the league again. He's got seven touchdowns. He's got 14 turnovers. He's taken a ton of sacks. It's just not a team that's got a lot of firepower at this point, and they're kind of in the middle of rebuild. You know, I didn't think Dennis Allen was the right coach in New Orleans. You know, he failed miserably. 
uh, with the Raiders, then came back as a defensive coordinator, did a good job, and then fell into the head coaching job, and yet they're scuffling to get to 6-6. Six and six. Now, their thing has been been tarnished a little bit because of chronic injuries to Michael Thomas, who might be at the end of his career because he just can't stay on the field, and the Alvin Kamara off-the-field issues with suspensions and things like that. And then Derek Carr, who throws for a lot of yards, got a concussion. He's just out of concussion protocol. So they're just not a complete football team. I, I have reservations, though, that Dennis Allen is really the right guy uh, for the New Orleans Saints job. And I don't, I don't understand what's happened in Tampa Bay uh, because Bruce Arians handpicked and appointed Todd Bowles to be the guy. And Bowles have done a good job in a really tough situation with the New York Jets, and then he wound up getting fired. But, boy, they're going in the wrong direction. They're not playing a look at defense. And it just may be a case that they woke up one day and the switch in the meeting room light went on and all these defensive players were old. It's just, it's just not the same football team. And now they got injuries stacked on top of some guys that aren't playing real well. So it's, it's just a big problem from a personnel standpoint and, Baker Mayfield can compete, but I don't know if Baker Mayfield's a difference maker at quarterback. So Tampa seems to be going in the wrong direction. And yeah, yeah, I'll rubber stamp your your opinion. The NFC South is a mess right now. Yeah, well, good thing for Tampa. They got the Panthers this weekend. So uh we should be good for uh, good for a win. Lee, um the quarterbacking this year in the NFL, I mean, you know, you've got your elites, your Patrick Mahomes and Hertz obviously has been great. Dak's having an awesome season. But I would argue that there hasn't been any quarterbacks that have really stood out as clearly the MVP. What do you think? Like, should Christian McCaffrey be getting more conversation about being a legitimate MVP candidate? I would say right now the names at the top of the checklist as we sit here going to week 13 have to be McCaffrey and Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. I mean, what he's doing statistically and how he's improved as a passer uh, even though, they're, I mean, they're running a hybrid offense. It's a really weird look. Uh, but, boy, he's been really, really productive. And, you know, they were out here on the West Coast to play the Chargers last week. And Chargers defended Lamar Jackson, kind of slowed him down a lot. But at the end of the game, they hit big pass plays, et cetera. And they finally won, Baltimore finally won their game. But McCaffrey's having a phenomenal season. He stayed totally healthy. He's been nicked up the last couple of years in Frisco and prior to that. In Carolina, but what an absolute stud! Uh, it's it's kind of unique. The marquee quarterbacks you would normally think would be atop of the, this checklist of MVP guys have all had different issues. Mahomes doesn't have the same team around him anymore, and the magic that he exhibited for so many years with Tyreek Hill and that myriad of wide receivers is just not there right now. And he's turning the ball over. I think that I think Kansas City's got 19 turnovers this season, which that's not a typical Andy Reid football team. And Josh Allen is is just fallen victim to making a lot of bad decisions and a lot of bad throws, almost to the point that I think his coach is in a little bit of hot water too because, you know, Sean McDermott, just not the record and it's just not Josh Allen's mistakes, but, you know, he ran off defensive coordinator Leslie Frazier. Then he ran off the offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey. Well, who else are you going to blame if this doesn't work out? I mean, they might not make the playoffs. I mean, they're, they're scuffling to be a 500 team. So, Josh Allen's not a, quote, MVP candidate right now. So, yeah, it's it's just a little bit of a strange year. But, we, you know, we got another four or five weeks to go, so other things are going to Well, and it's funny you bring up Buffalo. I mean, they should have won that game last week against Philly. I mean, they missed those two field goals. They end up losing in overtime. And I think back to that game that they lost against the Patriots, which is probably the most unforgivable of all of them. 
And just to put it into perspective of how fall, far the Patriots have fallen, Lee, um, for the first time we've had a game flexed out of Monday Night Football, and it's the Patriots and the Chiefs. I mean, the biggest primetime team around with Mahomes, with Travis Kelsey and all that comes with him, and they're taking that game out of primetime because of how far the Patriots have fallen. I didn't think we'd ever see this day. Well, I, I think I've said this before on our Friday NFL Notebook segments. The Patriots general manager, Bill Belichick, has failed the Patriots coach, Bill yeah. Belichick. I mean, please find me any playmakers on the offense on the Patriots roster. I dare you to find me any playmakers. And he's got a quarterback crisis. I mean, the regression of Mac Jones to me is just stunning. Because I really felt with the importation of Bill O'Brien coming back from Alabama to rejoin the staff and O'Brien worked with Jones for the Crimson Tide, I thought, they'll figure this out. They haven't figured it out. Jones is playing really poor, but he doesn't have a great offensive line. You still haven't found me a playmaker or in your suit and tie yet uh, on the offensive side of the football to help that quarterback. So they're going to play the Chargers, and I think they're going to play the kid from Western Kentucky, Bailey Zappi, uh, who put up phenomenal numbers in college and has only been a, a peripheral part-time quarterback for the Patriots, but he's one of his daughter when he replaced Mac Jones last year. So keep that in mind that uh, maybe Zappi's the guy, and if not, they're going to have to go get a, a quarterback. But somebody else might be making the decision because I'm not so sure that general manager and coach, a.k.a. Belichick, will be back next season. I mean, 2-9, and nine. a Belichick team 2-9? and nine? I, I would have expected that when Belichick was in Cleveland as a rookie head coach, but not after all these years. And by well, the way, if you're keeping score at home, his composite record since Tom Brady had his mail sent to Tampa, 27 and 35. Think about that. Well, and uh, listen, the two wins on the season says all you need to know. That being said, that might be a nice parting gift for the Patriots if he does move on because they're in line to uh, get one of those top couple quarterbacks right now if they continue losing the way they have been. Um, let's get to the games this weekend, and we will start with the main event. The Eagles, the Niners, going at it at the link. And, Lee, you have to go a long, long way back to find a 10-1 and team at home that is a three-point underdog to the visitors, and that is what we have this week. Make some sense of that, and now what do you think about this game? Jalen Hurts is having a phenomenal year, and maybe we should put his name in the MVP conversation too. Because what he's doing, throwing it to A.J. Brown, and to Devonta Smith, it's phenomenal. Those two guys have like a combined 130 catches in the first half of the season. And they're running the ball with the ex-Lion, DeAndre Swift. And they, they still play rugged defense, pile up quarterback sacks. Not quite the same defense because of injuries. They've given up a lot of yards this season. But they're still, they are where they are in the standings. And Jalen Hurts is, is such a triggerman. But when you look across the line of scrimmage, those guys were an SF on the helmets. San Francisco beat you up defensively, and they just mauled you offensively, throwing it, running it, controlling the tempo of the game. And Kyle Shanahan is just a phenomenal play caller with a roster of stars. I mean, they, they're just so dynamic. If they can keep these guys healthy the rest of the season, you know, I think we're talking about a San Francisco-Baltimore possible Super Bowl. Uh, but, boy, the 49ers are just so rugged because Brock Purdy is making plays down the field again. Offensive line has gotten healthy. Their wide receiver core, including their tight end, 
are averaging 13 and a half yards per catch. And then there's Christian McCaffrey running and catching the ball. That's a complete football team. So this is going to be a great game. I can't wait to see Hertz against the Niner defense. And we'll, we'll see if Philadelphia can make it a shootout because I do think San Francisco will dictate the terms of how this game is going to be played. Lee, I'll be honest, on my NFL season bingo card, I did not have Joe Flacco coming out of retirement to be the savior for the Cleveland Browns, but here we are. Flacco's back, and um, I mean, the Browns, with that dominant defense, don't need Patrick Mahomes back there to win football games. What do you make of the outlook for the Browns now that uh, the elite Joe Flacco's back in the game and back behind center? Oh, you're just piling on. You talk show guys, just piling on. It is odd. In modern-day NFL football, and I've done this a long time covering as the voice of the Chargers and the Seahawks, and what I do in talk radio and on my website, my podcast, I've never seen a team have to use four different starting quarterbacks in one given season. Joe Flacco is number four. And they're hanging on for dear life, in all honesty. I mean, the defense has just been spectacular. What Jim Schwartz has done is just amazing. The defense can't play 60 minutes a game, and you think about this, there is no Deshaun Watson and there is no Nick Chubb. And those are the two cornerstones of what made everything Stefanski was trying to run in Cleveland offensively. I think it's all going to catch up to them. Flacco might manage the game. Maybe he won't turn it over, but I don't know that he makes a ton of plays downfield. And I think Cleveland's going to fall out of this. You know, and you, you talked about the Cleveland quarterback situation. And they always seem to be in some form of quarterback crisis ever since they gave the franchise back in 1999. Get this statistic. I just dug this up about 15 minutes ago doing research for a column. With Flacco starting for Cleveland this weekend, we have now had 51 different starting quarterbacks this season. And we're only more just a shade over halfway through this season. The injury factor in the league is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, there have been 16 major injuries to quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks, in the National Football League. That's half, half the teams have lost their quarterbacks for significant amounts of time. So uh, it just, it's just the nature of the game. And this year, the as you would say on the bingo card, injured quarterbacks popped up in front of everybody. Um, speaking of QBs, uh, pretty interesting matchup between Denver and Houston. Two teams very much in the AFC playoff mix. Russell Wilson and the upstart rookie C.J. Stroud. Thoughts on that one. And I guess we should mention the Patriots and the Chargers, how the Chargers are five and a half point favorites on the road against anyone just maybe is another example of where the heck the Pats are right now as an organization. Well, in terms of Denver, Houston, I mean, second week of the season, I think it was when Denver gave up 70 points and yeah. 700 yards in Miami and they have won five in a row. You talk about a coaching job that Sean Payton has done to convince these guys that they can compete. And, you know, Russell Wilson's had a real bounce back season. Nobody's talking about Russell Wilson. Everybody thought he was washed up and done. His stat line is 21 touchdowns and four interceptions. This old dog's quarterback rating as of today is 101. That's pretty impressive. You know, and they've had a lot of injuries at running back, a lot of nagging injuries to wide receivers, but his quarterback rating is 101. It's really impressive. And defensively, boy, they've gotten better and better as the season's gone on. And they did this despite injuries at linebacker and the, uh, the trade at the end of last year of, of their top pass rusher, Brad Chubb. So it, it's, it's surprising. C.J. Stroud's doing a great job. D'Amico Ryan should get some type of vote for coach of the year, what he's flipped this thing into. 
Now they've been they've been fortunate. They might be the only one on the planet. They've had no significant catastrophic injuries. You look at the IR list of some of these other teams. Some teams have 17 guys on injured reserve, and Houston's hardly had any injury problems outside of one or two very early with their offensive line. And C.J. Stroud is just he's lighting it up. He's playing it's one of the best rookie seasons a young quarterback has had. And you know you know the the problems in the National Football League. Young quarterback, high draft pick. Where does he wind up? Bad football team. That's where C.J. Stroud went to. Boy, has he made them competitive. So that that's, that Denver game is going to be fascinating. Uh, the Charger-New England game, which quarterback, which coach is going to get fired first, Brandon Staley or Belichick? Uh, although I'm, I'm not a proponent that they should fire this Charger coach. You've just had so many injuries. Uh, to, uh, you look at the roster on paper and say, boy, there's a lot of good young talent on this roster, led by the quarterback, Justin Herbert, who's who's playing through another injury with this, this fractured finger and he stays in the lineup and he continues to play well. Um, I'm not convinced yet that Brandon Staley can't coach in the league. He just, he can't coach injured teams in the league because that's always had three years in a row, but uh, I'll be fascinated to see by the time we get to the finish line, the first week of January, whether Staley survives. I do think there's going to be a change in the guard probably in Foxborough and Hopefully it's not going to be messy, and hopefully Belichick will leave and Kraft will honor him like he should because he's a Hall of Fame guy. But maybe the era, it is 2023, maybe the era has gotten by, has passed Belichick by. It's kind of like he's operating in 1980 standards is how you construct rosters. He had none, as I said early on, Patriots GM has not helped the GM or the coach of the Patriots at all. Lee, um, big weekend coming up. I'm sure there's plenty for uh, folks to chew on at LeeHacksawHamilton.com and uh, your ever-growing content empire taking over Instagram and YouTube as well. Well, if you're in Winnipeg, you're in Manitoba, you're in Western Canada, and you watch this dude, when you're done watching this dude, check my website out. I think you'll get a kick out of it. I write on it every day. I write a ton of hockey, too. Uh, It's just LeeHacksawHamilton.com, and that'll take you to all the pages on my website and at the bottom. There's also a link that will take you to my video and audio podcast, and that thing's exploding, too. The sad part about this, as hard as it is, there's not enough hours in the day to do all this. <laughs> now, I'm a one-man gang. I'm doing this whole bloody thing by myself. But if you like sports, Winnipeg, subscribe to my website. It's absolutely free. Check the podcast. Subscribe there so you'll get all the alerts. So when Andrew is done with you, you can deal with me. Lee, have a great weekend, pal. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for doing this as always. My God, shirt and tie. Mr. Management, did you apply for the job at the bank? That's That looks cool. No, just had a court date this morning, Lee. It's no oh. big deal. No. <laughs> no. I can go there with that. You know what? We had a uh, – we uh, and this is a nice little segue in because we're going to wrap up the Movember campaign, but it was Men's Health Month, and we set a goal to raise $2,000 we were approaching four and we said if we got to four we would do a suit show today and everybody stepped up we got almost 54 or 5363 bucks so very appreciative of everyone it was the least we could do to come through with our promise with the way everyone uh, supported the november campaign it was really great and is that true at six o'clock tonight when you're done you got to return the suit the shirt and the tie to juicy <laughs> No, luckily our pals at F, F Apparel take good care of us. So uh, we go. We were ready to go today. Have an awesome weekend, pal. Have a great sports weekend. Thanks, Hustler. Thanks to everybody in Winnipeg for, for following us. Take care. You got it. There it is, the man himself, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. Uh, everybody knows Marbles is open right now. 
Um, so exclamation mark marbles, if you haven't done it already, we're going to get to that right away. And don't forget, gang, um, we're going to be getting together with the WST crew next Wednesday, December 6th. Little Brown Jug, a little holiday party, some of Winnipeg's favorite local beers, a great crowd of your uh, favorites from the chat and podcast listeners. All are welcome. And every cent that we're raising is going to go to the Christmas cheer board tickets um, to reserve your spot. Eleven ninety eight. Again, it's all going as a donation to the Christmas cheer. Uh, Boston Pizza is going to be bringing some pizzas by. Nick and Nikki DQ will have some ice cream for us. Um, we'll do a little bubble hockey. Remus talking about potentially bringing some NHL 94. We'll talk Jets. We'll get festive. So join us. But get tickets before they're full because we do have a capacity limit. Um, it's in the description right here on the YouTube channel. And if you're listening to the podcast, just go to winnipegsportstalk.com. Click the link, grab your seats, and we will see you on Wednesday at Little Brown Jug. And with the weekend here and the holidays here, good time to get down to Little Brown Jug and stock up for the holidays with the best of Winnipeg's local brew that our city has to offer. And, uh, and of course, got to thank Nick and Nikki DQ for their support as well, both of the event and the show since day one. Pop by and see them. Everyone loves supporting Nick and Nikki DQ because it means you're going to be chowing down on all those delicious ice cream treats at your uh, at DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ Niverville. And don't sleep on those stack burgers as well. And, of course, Nick and Nikki also have the new pita pit out in Niverville. Healthy, fast, delicious, fresh. It is so darn good. They do great catering as well. If you've got catering needs, hit them up on Twitter or Instagram at pita pit Niverville. Okay, before we get Remus is all fired up. New track today for the marble race, and it's apparently a real beauty. Um, and uh, Sam Crow, look at that. $50 for the Christmas cheer board. Thank you very much, Sam Crow. We'll definitely add that to uh, what should be a, a great collection that we're doing. By the way, we're also going to do a really cool draw. We'll do some, you know, tickets for a five for 10 bucks, something like that. Um, and Little Brown Jug's putting together a great holiday package with some merch and some beer. We'll work on a couple other prizes and uh, hopefully add to it. But Sam, uh, Sam Crow, thank you very much for the very generous donation here at the holidays. All right. All business today in the lock shop. Um, we did it again last night. I, I mentioned yesterday that our lock shop partner parlays were up 20.8 units for the month. If you made a $10 bet on every one of our lock shop partner parlays this month, you would have been up $208. And we did it again last night with the football game. We had the uh, over totals for Brandon Cooks and uh, JSN. And we needed just one more completion on that final drive from Geno Smith. That one came in at, I think, plus 590. So an all-time month for the lock shop. You can check us out in the CoolBet exclusives. Our partner parlay for the NFL this weekend isn't up yet, but I can tell you it's Denver plus three and a half, Detroit minus three and a half, and the Niners minus two and a half. And uh, we'll get that one up probably in and around plus 550. And I'm actually also putting one up, a ride with us. Straight up money line bets. Detroit to win, Tampa to win, and the Jets to upset the uh, the Atlanta Falcons, which would leave Tampa, Atlanta, and New Orleans in a three-way tie for first place in the NFC South at 5-7. and seven. 
So uh, those will be up in the exclusives. You can check that out a little later on. Latest line on that Niners-Eagles game is it's crazy, but I kind of agree with it because I do think San Francisco wins this game, but laying three on the road to a 10-1 and team at home, amazing. Uh, Chiefs are six-point favorites against the Packers. The Rams, three-and-a-half-point favorites at home against Joe Flacco and the Browns. And uh, the other very important game early on is that Broncos-Texans game. Texans, three-point home favorites. Uh, all the odds there for you at Cool Bet. And again, make sure to check the exclusives. <clears throat> Only two games tonight in the NHL. Ottawa, minus 158 favorite. In bus to take on the Blue Jackets. Blue Jackets pan plus 134. And this might be the biggest lopsided line i've seen all year new jersey minus 467 at home the san jose sharks plus 360 on the money line i'm going to lay down the uh, over in that game over six and a half at minus 116 for our cool bet play of the day so uh yeah if you want to jump on and ride with us get to the exclusives over the course of the weekend the lock shop will be up there uh, probably a little later on um, this afternoon, and if you haven't played a cool bet before, use the promo code WST on your first deposit. We'll hook you up with a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks. All right, Remo, just before we get down to business with marbles and the Movember wrap, um, uh, what uh, what did Bones have for us coming out of practice today? Yeah, well, injuries was the big uh, topic. Uh, Nemesikov not on the ice, Lowry not on the ice, and who is going to be starting in goal? Um, here I'll throw on, this is Rick bonus, just, uh, letting everyone know, uh, what the deal is with all those guys at the start of his availability today. Vladdy update. Vladdy lower body, um, won't play tomorrow. Uh, we probably have to, probably won't play, um, um, Monday. So yeah, I'd say a couple of days and then we'll go from there. Adam, Adam was, Adam was maintenance day. Yeah. He'll play tomorrow. Um, are you thinking of doing 11 and 7 tomorrow? No. No? No. We'll play 12 and 6. Chisholm is in. Chisholm will play. Who comes out? Nate? Yep. Nate, Nate comes out. Um, okay. Well, what's the thought? You're just getting him. You wanted to get him a game. We got to get him a game. We sent him down to play. He played well in uh, Winnipeg. We, we've got to see what we have here. So, uh, yeah, we got to get him into a game. And uh, somebody has to come out, unfortunately, when that happens. But when you send a kid down and he does what you ask him to do and he plays and he plays well, we, we've got to get him into a game. And tomorrow's the game. And it looked, I mean, he practiced a little bit on the... He'll be on the second, second power play. Yeah, yep. okay. Um, uh, Hellbuck tomorrow? Is, yes. He, he didn't skate too much today. Okay. All right, so Helly in tomorrow. Kind of thought that that might be LB, but uh, I'm here for it. Uh, the more Hellebuck, the better, if you ask me, uh, especially right now when they need the wins. Got to snap this streak and uh, get him ready for a big road trip coming up. Uh, anything more from Bones? Yeah, a lot of talk. Uh, Ken, you know, when looking at the you know practice lines, he was saying Perfetti, Velarde, and Ayafala were matched up as a line, but couldn't tell who was center. Um, Bones, and we also saw what Morgan Barron uh, taking faceoffs yesterday. Uh, here's Rick Bonus. More lineup changes uh, with uh, involving David Gustafson coming in, but also talked about what he saw from Gabe Velarde in yesterday's game and what uh, he wants to see from their line tomorrow. 
Rick uh, used Morgan Barron at center a bit. Is that something you'd like to do a little bit more, or will Gustafson just go back into the middle? Gus will go back in tomorrow now. And we'll, but it gives us, like, Morgan's a very, he's another guy that you can put him at center. You can put him at left wing. He, so he's another guy that you can move around that helps your depth. On that second line, will Velarde go to center or Perfetti, or will you use a hybrid there? Well, you know what, uh, Gabe's going to take some face-offs, so it'll be a hybrid. Yeah, they'll both take some face-offs. But Gabe played center a little bit last year in L.A. He's a big, strong guy, and he's good on face-offs. So last eight, you know, we need we need we need nights. You got to throw something different in there to win some face-offs. So they'll both take face-offs. Sure. And what did you think of Gabe's game yesterday? Yeah, you know, I, I honestly, I had. Very low expectations. You miss that much time, and you're playing. Your first game is against Edmonton, a team that's flying like they have been. That's a tough. That's a tough assignment. So to me, the most important is get him his minutes. He got 12, 13 minutes, and give him a chance to get his game back. So well, a tough opponent to throw him into the first game, but he was ready. So we we got to get him in. And we got to get him back on top of his game. You would have liked what you saw from him on the power play, right? I mean, yeah, absolutely. He makes a big difference hanging on to pucks. He's a big body down around the net. Cole made a great play with him down and in. He had a great shot. He's got a great, great save. So, um, yeah, I like, love what he does in the power play. All right, so there's a little bit of bones from practice. 2 p.m. tomorrow is puck drop. Connor Bedard and the Blackhawks in to take on the Winnipeg Jets. Jets looking to snap their first three-game losing streak of the season. All right, Remo, just before we fire up the marbles, uh, one final check-in with the fellas that helped us out with uh, smashing our goals for uh, November. Again, a big thanks to Modern Man Barbershop. They came through with that great $500 donation yesterday. Um, and, uh, of course, we've uh, got a little something for the fellas as well. We'll try and put that together next week. Uh, but uh, a final mo- uh, a roll call of the Mobros, if you will. Let's see these stashes. Yeah, and just show, check out our uh, Movember page they're still taking donations even in December. Uh, link in the description. I'll leave it up at the top of winnipegsportstalk.com for a while. If you're in mobile, you got to hit the uh, the four lines on the top right. But uh, there's our page. Going through the Mo's, we have here is Ray coming in, looking sharp. There's Ray. What a month, Ray. What a month. Yeah, what a month for Ray. Uh, listening on the podcast. What's up, Ray? Thank you. And here's Derek Schmidt, who was rocking a Nate Schmidt jersey with us last night at the game. What up, Derek? There, his is looking pretty nice and nice and thick there. And there's uh, Derek Honer in his uh, reverse retro jersey. We saw him last night as well. Derek uh, is there. That Derek's got a great, like a, a full-bodied stash, if there mm-hmm. ever was one. And yeah, and he was saying his whole his daughters and his family love seeing uh, us show off his mustache on the show, which was uh, and his, uh, his brother made a nice donation to supporting him. Yeah, it was awesome. And speaking to Chris Nielsen, I think he was the leader in terms of uh, donations for our team. So, Way to go, Chris! So shout out to Chris. Here's his donation, and Stephen. With his mustache, with the, uh, there's the Christmas tree as we get into December here. Uh, he's is looking pretty sharp. Nicely done, as Steve. As well. Uh, oh, yeah, here's David Asplund rocking the WST hoodie. Love it, Dave. And, uh, yeah, there's his. So pretty, pretty nice. And here's Julian. Uh, he grew the beard, but he revealed to us yesterday, has took a step forward. Uh, and shaved his head. 
for Movember. Yeah. yeah, his wife was giving him a bit of a hard time as to how she could identify him going down the stairs at Bomber Games by a certain spot on his head. So he decided to just take it right down to the wood. Great to see Julian last night at the game yeah. as well. And uh, everyone that uh, was out with us for WST night, but uh, of course, all the guys that uh, helped us out one, through, uh, throughout yeah, the Yeah, one more shout out to One Bird. Who was there? Yeah, one Bird was there last night as well. He was looking great. Yeah, there he is. With the soul patch too. You got to love it. The combo. That's what I would do, I think, if I grew a mustache. You, you'd be, you, uh, you, I could see you totally as a soul patch guy, maybe mm. wearing a beret, some Birkenstocks. It would grow, it grows in grow good like a Grateful Dead tribute band. I can't grow in the middle part too. I think I would be kind of like Ray with the uh, just on the side here. Listen, guys, well done to all of you. Thank you again, and uh, we will uh, be in touch next week. And hopefully, we'll see all you fellows down at the uh, uh, at the holiday party, the little brown jug, and I'll try and uh, grab a little gift for you from uh, our friends at Modern Man Barbershop as well for uh, for all of that. All right, Remo, we're past three. Everyone's anxious. Mm-hmm. I'm anxious to see, like, when we were playing the Dan Robertson interview, I got to hear behind the scenes Remus testing out today's track. And uh, let's just say that um, I'm, I'm excited and you should all be excited to participate in a great new track on WST Marbles. Uh, I guess let's fire up some Tristan Rivers and then we can get to okay, it. Okay, let me close. I'll do the Tristan Rivers and then I'll uh, fire up. I got to close the entries right after. We got 191 in. This is the absolute last call. Yeah, So exactly. get in now. Tristan Rivers, you got 10 seconds, folks. Yeah, 10, 10 seconds. And here we go. It's Friday. Another week of work's gone by. You deserve to dream. What a great, the acoustic, the unplugged version of the Marbles theme by the one and only Tristan Rivers Music. And I guess it is December. We're going to have to start working and planning on uh, another 2023 Tournament of Champions for later on this month as we get into the holiday season. But uh, Remo, let's do it. This track is called Simple Aggressive Thingamajig. And from rumors behind the scenes, it's got an ending similar to the temple of steve so uh you're not in until you're in and no lead is safe yeah i thought maybe you'd uh give it a surprise the ending but um hold on one second going to chats uh but yeah that's it's this is a good one i tested it you know it usually takes me a while to test them and i think this is going to be a good one we got 190 Five entries in right now, so pretty uh, pretty solid. 
Perfect, perfect. Um, well, let's do it. Let's fire it up. Okay, let me. Simple, aggressive thingamajig. I'm gonna. This is Mr. Tambourine Man. <laughs> Thanks, Comet. I could play the. Uh, this is what I use for my tambourine. The. The, the chain. The, the bones. bones chain. It can also double as a percussion instrument. Yeah, I mean Tristan does such a great job with those. It'll be fun to like do a guest spot. On one of them, just shaking like something simple, like the tambourine in there. He's really good tambourine on that uh, on that version. I'm actually working on a rap album with uh, with Tristan. I'm gonna drop some bars for uh, for everybody coming in 2024. Okay, wait. Let me find this track called "Simple Thigmajig." I saw the name said Thigmajig. I'm like, uh, I'm like, I'm in. Yeah, I didn't blow any surprise. I mean, listen, we I still haven't seen it, but I'm just telling you that uh, you get a nice lead. Don't think that you're in yet because apparently there's a uh, quite the ending on this one that you're only going to be in the bin uh, once you actually get it in. Uh, the, uh, the work will not be completed with any sort of a lead from what I'm hearing. I can't wait for it, though. Uh, and shout out to all of the Marbles track creators that have uh, been doing their work on the internet for uh, for our benefit here. Yes. So here, we're getting in on this. I'm loading it up. Look out for this. Thank you. Thank you, yeah, everyone's it's commenting. Friday afternoon. Yeah. Loosen the tie. Loosen the tie. Man, I don't know how people uh, do work yes. all day. Yes. your boy Bruce. Holler if I need a DJ. Damn right. Oh. Bruce, we'll get working on it. All right, here we go. The simple, aggressive thingamajig. First marble race of December. Good luck to everyone. And again, great to see all you WSTers yesterday for game two. We beat the Leafs on January 27th and Calgary on April 4th. We will finish the season at two and two. Um, and again, thanks to everyone. Speaking of marbles that entered in the uh, Vita Health Prairie Naturals contest. Congratulations to Joe who won the race yesterday for uh, the Linden Jersey and the Prairie Naturals supplements. And one final thank you to everyone that either participated or donated to the Movember campaign. It's Friday afternoon. There's only one thing left to do on WST, and that is drop the marbles. Let's go, Reem. All right. Interesting start here. Yeah, this one. Cylinders on the side. This one has like two paths, and they converge into one. I'm not usually a huge fan, but I thought this was still a great track. Beautiful. I'm I'm down for any new tracks to be honest, as long as they're not uh as long as they're they're not, you know yeah. bad bad courses. As long as they're not bad tracks, of course. Gin Intelligence coming out first. He's got the uh right side. Ken B leading the way on the left track right now. Um Tons of marbles. There's no one really. Oh, John D looks like uh, he's taken a little bit of a head start over Gintelligence. Jeff Dorian looks like he was the first one into. Uh, oh yeah, this is this is like the cylinders with the moving uh, guards. Anything can happen. Donny Boy now in. Looks like David uh, Steinhiller just got thrown over the top rope. Not too sure how that happened. Donnie Boy, first out. Whoa! Everyone getting thrown from that first bit now into this funnel. 
Yeah, there's some lasers in there, so watch out. I think don't want to get hit by the lasers. Let's see what's going on. Oh, the Earl of Eli. Oh, Dan Milborn was looking good and then got thrown over the top rope. So it looks like Jeff Dorian and Donnie Boy are in first place. Trevor Bird. And oh, there's all caps Kyle. He's going to do it. Jeff Dorian just got thrown over the top rope. Donnie Boy is now. Oh, Donnie Boy just hit a <laughs> bomb. He's out too. Trevor Bird, all caps Kyle right now, leading the way, and they've made it through the minefield right now. Oh, I saw Cowboy just got thrown. Keith Bartell, Boba Jet. But uh, Trevor Bird and Kyle right now. Oh, Kyle has been eliminated. Trevor Bird, look at this. It's Trevor Bird and then one bird right behind him. Trevor Bird just got thrown over. Who will last? iHeart Gaming, it looks like. iHeart Gaming is in first place right now. XX Revolution and Tony Pop have made it into the channel. XX Revolution, the first one through the cylinder. Kind of slowed down a little bit, though. Manny Fran's making a move. They're sort of stopped. T. Will. Darren Mitchell. Oh, I see what happens. They've got to end up falling into one of these, uh, these little bins. XX Revolution looks like is going to be the first one, the first one through. XX Rev, first place right now. Larry TSG and uh, Sam Crow, who just made that nice donation to the cheer board in the chat. That would be that would be great. That would be all time Marbles Karma if Sam Crow won after uh, making that donation. Here we go. XX Rev. Mike Rowling. Mike Rowling now, it looks like, is in first place. Okay, here we go. We're close to the bin. Is it me? And Mike Rowling does it. Sam Crow in second. Paul Carr making it. Nope, Paul got popped. Real deal, Neil just missed out. Oh, geez. There's a lot of marbles that made it right to the end. Frankly, just making it to the end was something else here. Here comes our dub, Retro Winnipeg TV. That's our boy Sheps. What's going on, Jace? David the Fantasy. Todd for Tanny. We still have only eight marbles that have successfully made it in. Shane. Michael Prude. I think Michael Pruden's going to get in. Nope. So we've got the top 10. Here comes the fire. Craig Smith just got burnt. Rick Stokely. Here's Bravo Bry. Can Bravo Bry make it in? I believe Bravo Bry did. Well, that was an awesome track. Not too many marbles made it in, but we do have a winner, and it is Mike Rowling. Much like last week, only 11 marbles survived. That was something else. Yeah, um, I was gonna say I'll target one with more finishes next week, but that was pre- that was a pretty fun race, I thought. Oh yeah, it was an awesome race, awesome race. Um, Mike Rowland, congratulations! Send us an email at WinnipegSportsTalk at gmail dot com and let me know what your hoodie size is. And we'll get in touch. You can pop by and pick it up maybe some point next week. But uh, congratulations to Sam Crow, who had all the good karma after making that nice cheerboard donation in the chat. Chucker was third. Rob Somerville, fourth. Tony Pop, fifth. James Borgford, sixth. Larry TSG, seventh. The SMA at eighth. Lady Mystery in ninth. Shane Anthony 
at 10 and Bravo Bry 11, the only qualifiers. But as Frosty said, yeah, all-time great map. You're either first or you're last. Might be tough for uh, Shane or uh, for Shorin and Ross for their uh, their bet because I think both of those, well, I mean, they weren't one of the 11 guys that, uh, that stopped um, that actually got it in. But um, everyone else got thrown over the top rope or perished in some fashion. Well, it was a good one and a good week. I'm looking forward to be feeling better by Monday. We've battled through a uh, a challenging week, Remus, but uh, what a week it was. Finishing up November, our uh, promo with Vita Health, and now uh, on to December and on to tomorrow afternoon. Looking for the Jets to uh, start off December with a big two points that they really do need. Yeah, it was fun. We had look, we had some bombers off season uh, news with the coordinator that uh, that got locked up. Mike O'Shea and Kyle Walters spoke to the media. We discussed that, uh, and yeah, the Jets home for two, but not able to put up uh, a W. Uh, o for two on WST night. So we now focus on January against uh, Toronto. That's our next game. So, but for the Jets tomorrow, Connor Bedard and the Blackhawks. Uh, looking forward to seeing that one tomorrow afternoon, and that's a TSN game. You know it. Um, gang, fun doing the suit show today, uh, although it did re- does remind me how happy I am to uh, not have to wear suits every day, although if you're going to get one, F Apparel, check it out. WST on the inside. They'll do it up for you however you like. Custom made to fit. Great spot to pop by during the uh, holiday season. All right, that's going to do it for us. Let's get this pod up. And uh, get the weekend started. Thanks, everyone, for hanging with us. Uh, Enjoy the game tomorrow. Big weekend of NFL. And then we're right back at it on Monday with our first look live in person at the Jets 48 jerseys they'll be wearing against the Carolina Hurricanes as the uh, homestand will come to an end. Uh, Thanks to all the sponsors that make this show happen every day. Shout out podcast listeners, YouTubers. Make sure to hit that link. Get your tickets for the holiday party next Wednesday. We'll look forward to seeing you then. And in the meantime, have a great weekend, and we'll see you Monday right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com. 